every time. Every time you yawn as soon as I press record. You know what? They all said we'd never make it to episode eight. All of them. And my whole quest in life since then has been to prove them wrong. Above the bed, like on the ceiling, I've had written, you will get to episode eight. And that has been my mantra through like every second of the day. You got it tattooed. On the the inside inside of of my eyelids. eyelids. (laughs) Every time I blink, I'm reminded of my... Life's goal. Eternal mission. And and it's done. So now it's... What are you going to do now after episode eight? Ritualistic suicide. I'm going to take the katana. I'm going to bury it into my gut. And I'm going to disembowel myself. This is horrendous, honestly. Look, once you've got to episode eight, there's no... You've reached the, the peak of the mountain. Yeah. When the guy climbs... Mount Everest, he's not like, you know what, I think I'll climb one of the smaller mountains next. He's like, no, I'm going to jump off the side of Mount Everest. This is why people should not try to achieve things in life. That's what I always say. I always say that to small children. There's nowhere to go from there. I say, don't go for your dreams. Except death. And so, yeah, now we're at episode eight. We finally hit the zenith. Don't really know where to go from here. When does anyone ever talk about eight being the number? Everyone's always Seven, like... Seven, I get. Once you get to eight, give up. <laughs> give up on your endeavor. That's that's the famous uh, maxim, right? Yeah. In Eastern philosophy. There was a lucky eight... Lucky, was there a film? Lucky eight? Lucky number 11. Oh, we, am I thinking of the eight ball? A, Magic not a number. B, that's not, not a number eight. now. Um, Magic eight ball? Right. How does that relate to this? Maybe that's the only thing ever to have, like, the eight in it. I feel like otherwise it's always, like, number seven or number 13 or whatever. Yeah, why did they pick eight for the Magic 8 ball? I don't know. They should have picked a Magic eight mystical ball. number, like, 13 or... Yeah. I don't know. Magic 8 ball. Oh, is that something to do with snooker pool? Oh, yeah, yeah. Possibly, because it also looks like a... Like a pool ball as well. For some it? reason, I was thinking, I I totally forgotten that it's from a game like snooker or pool or whatever, and I was thinking it's called a magic eight ball because it has eight options you can get, like eight oh, answers, yeah. and that I don't think there's that many. That doesn't there. make sense. Oh, I think there's more than eight, surely. No, there's like a thing inside that has like four sides, and when you shake it, it. Falls. There's definitely more than four answers. I think. I think there's like yes, no, ask again later, um, try again, or something like that. Your there's probably is more defective. than four. But Contact the manufacturer. Yeah, then I think I had one once, and it wasn't. It didn't always like do it. You would t- turn it upside down. There was nothing there. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. <laughs> you desperately resort to this this children's yeah. toy for life advice, and it's like you know what? Go screw yourself. Yeah, I haven't got time for your bull crap. Yep. <laughs> crap yeah this is a pg podcast now i think i got toothpaste in my hair okay like it's hard to know how to respond to that <laughs> you want your juice box only... <laughs> is it time for nap time uh, this is this is what happens when you have really long hair and then you know you realize hours later and your hair's got this really strange feeling to it um Let's pretend I never said that. Okay, so... <laughs> um, episode 8, New Year. This is our first one of the year, Yeah, right? this is our first one of 2017. 20s. I wrote 2017 with pen for the first time the other day. I am with pen. 
I am. I will conceive a big biro. <laughs> um, yeah, it's strange. This is our first post-holidays episode. Holidays the holidays were a blur and kind yeah, of stressful. Kind of were. Because we had to visit our families. Yeah. Not that that is inherently stressful, but I had to travel and we had to like balance like seeing everyone and doing everything and mm. all that stuff. So it's just kind of stressful because you know that you have those kind of obligations to see everyone and put on that facade of holiday cheer, even though you've just traveled by train for ages yeah. and you're worn out and exhausted. I feel like for us, though, on the actual days of things, like on Christmas Day and on at New Year's, we were pretty low-key. We didn't really do... Oh, yeah, we didn't do anything, like, on yeah, the days. Yeah, it was, like, That's such a we non-event, yeah. It was just, like, sitting around doing the same stuff. The same stuff as if it was a normal day. Very strange. And we didn't stay up for the midnight, the New Year's midnight. Oh, yeah. I so don't care about New Year's. Like, I've never, it's never really been a thing that's excited me. I, whenever I think of it, I always just think of violence. Why? Because I feel like there's always people fighting at New Year. Like, But that's true whenever anyone, yeah. whenever there's a reason for people to get drunk. Like, it's not a specifically New Yearian phenomenon which new is a Yearian? word i totally just made up but sounds like it could be a word do you remember our first new year's together um jog my There's memory only because one i totally remember to this we so we this is when you were staying at your parents house <clears throat> at your mom's house and um they were away and so i came and stayed over with you and we stayed up we were like just talking the night away and we had pizza and we watched the fireworks on TV, like the London oh, fireworks. Oh yeah, and we were sitting on the floor. And then we had a we had a kiss, and it was special. And then uh, we stayed up a bit longer, and and we pierced each other's ears, <laughs> and we uh, talked Got about tattoos. boys that we liked. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it was just a it was a nice wholesome Do you really all girl rem- sleepover. Do you really remember it? I remember because we, we were sitting on the floor when we yeah, kissed. Yeah, we so I, I remember I can picture it in my mind. I just. If you say to me, do you remember, like, this specific event, it, like, you know, mm. you'd have to give me the details and then it will kind of come into my mind's eye. It's a nice... I feel like that's the only new year we've actually acknowledged it kind of thing. I feel like people really go crazy over watching the fireworks, mm. either in person on TV. And honestly, I'm kind of of the mindset where it's like, once you've seen one good fireworks display, <laughs> you've seen them all. Like... Yeah, I'm sure it's mean. a hell of a lot better in person, and there's that kind of ambience. But is it though? Because places like London and like I'm assuming New York yeah, yeah. and places like that, they get so jam packed and just crowded. Like it's just I can't imagine you being able to relax and have a good time. Yeah. And then I've been to like um, small, like low key, like firework displays, like at bonfire night and stuff, like at the park. Yeah. Um, and even they're a little bit like, I don't know, fireworks kind of scare me, so I don't want to really get that close. And if you're not close to it, then you may as well just be watching it from like the TV because it just looks the same. So yeah, I'm really not very interested in it. You're right, I think, once you've seen it. Yeah, apparently the London and the New York New Year's Eve events are apparently just like the worst thing in the world. Mm. Like. You have to get there, like, a day early to get a good spot. You have to, like, content yourself with being, like, crushed by this huge mass of 
party goers and like you can't once everyone's locked in like yeah. many hours before the events actually starts you're like you can't leave or you lose your spot and people are like jostling for position and no yeah. one can use the restroom and that kind of thing just doesn't cold. appeal to me at all yeah. yeah i think it's one of those things of which there are many in life where it sounds a lot better than it actually is like it mm. sounds cool to be like let's go down to the thames and see the fireworks and yeah, like listen to live music but then you get down there and there's like fifty thousand people and there's no room and there's no like food or drink and there's no way to like you know, Live. not feel like a mannequin <laughs> squished into a very small box. I feel like it'd so, be so dangerous as well, packed in with so many people at, in like such a major city. I would be... I would worry about that as well. Just concerned. If someone was going to blow themselves up, I yep. mean, you don't get a much higher density of people then on New Year's Eve yep. in the like designated uh, fireworks watching zones. Like I, I think that would be in my mind a lot. I just don't feel like... But we are the type of people where we don't like being amongst a crowd of, like, kind of, like, rowdy people yeah. celebrating. I like crowds in terms of, like, when we were living in London, like, being on the streets, that type of busy. But, yeah, that Not being of, on the streets, like, homeless. Yeah, yeah. But that kind of jam-packed didness. <laughs> like, when the tubes would get... um oh, the tubes are the worst. Every now and then... At Oxford Circus. Is it Oxford Circus? Yeah. Yeah. They would close the doors. Oh, oh yeah. And so people would each... There's like four entrances at Oxford, Oxford Circus. And they would close like two of the doors or whatever. And sometimes they'd close all four. Just to kind of, you know... Either like alleviate the tubes the were delayed or like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then crowds masses of crowds would form at each entrance yeah. and then they would open each entrance at the same and time everyone would flood and in. everyone would flood in and you were so jam-packed then and i didn't like if that. you got onto the tube at that time it was like it sucked man completely unbelievable especially because you know most people going on the there were getting the central line and the central line is just the fucking worst i think it was just the pretty much the first year of university when i was in london that i got the tube because yeah. it was still kind of a novelty. It was still kind of an exciting aspect of living in London. But I had kind of the worst tube route, which mm. is, like you said, the central line, which I think is the most popular So line. hot and sticky. And because I would, if I had like a 9 a.m. class, that means you're getting on at like 8.30, which is like peak, yeah. peak rush hour. And it's just, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> like, I know it's not like the Tokyo subway where it's like they jam you in with like sticks and it's like everyone no one can breathe there's like two percent oxygen but it in does the carriage get pretty but fucking yeah packed. there are times when it's like every inch like yeah. around your body is being compressed by someone standing next to I you i couldn't really get on when it was you that feel packed. squished i'd have like, to wait yeah but the problem is we do that sometimes or we would do that where it's like a tube would come and it would be like so unbelievably crowded that we'd just be like Let's just wait for the next one. But then the next one comes and yeah. it's unbelievably crowded. You can't. But they are every like five minutes, especially like the, the central yeah. line. Uh, especially, it, it was also obviously worse when it was hot because yeah. everything smelled stronger. It was sticky. It was, it was very was hot on the tube sometimes. Especially the ones that go further underground, mm. the tube lines, those are the hottest and those are just. I have inhumane. to say, though, I do. I have. That novelty thing didn't wear off for me. I, as much as the tube can be kind of like 
unpleasant when it is busy and hot. I love the tube. There's just something about it that's just so... It's very quintessentially London. Yeah. Especially the occasion when we get it like really late at night. Which sounds like it would actually be the worst time to get it, if you think about yeah, it, because it, of drunken people. But it wasn't. It was fun. Strange lurkers in the night. <laughs> yeah, I think you still retain that kind of more or less positive outlook on yeah. it because you didn't have to get it for like a 9am class. Like the tube is at its well, worst that, when you're rushing somewhere. Yeah, that's not true though because... You had to get it for like appointments, so you did have to rush on the tubes. Well, no, don't forget the first year I came with you. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day almost so that I could go and be in the centre while you were in class. So I was getting the tube at the same time as you. Um, and obviously there was a part that was like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a bit sick of it now. But overall, I have not lost my... It's very, like, romanticised for me, I think. Yeah. But then you started walking, like, the eight miles there it's not, and back. It wasn't... Yeah, it's four miles there and four miles back. That's... Which sounds a lot more than it actually is. <laughs> That's such an arbitrary limit to pull on it. Why is two miles the Goldilocks Well, because I remember when we walked to to get groceries not long ago, the two miles, one mile there, one mile yeah. back, and that was, like, it for me. I was like, no, yeah. I'm not walking further than this. Well, for me, it was, like, I loved walking in London. That yeah. was, like, one of my favourite things to do. Like, it was almost, like, a special treat of, like, just you are in London and you get to do mm. this. Like, it's just kind of inherent to the fact that you reside there. It's like a, a kind of a built-in benefit if you really enjoy being in, like, a big metropolis. And also, I didn't want to spend money on tubes anymore yeah. because it's, like, ridiculously expensive. And before you go on, I do agree to some extent. Like, I enjoyed walking too, but just... And I walked with you a few times, the four miles, not the both times. Um... I did just kind of love going out and seeing what street you ended up on, but I I usually ended up staying kind of like local. Yeah. Like I wouldn't walk like way across like London or anything. Whereas you like, well, yeah, I walked to university. You would find different routes, which is in was in central London, and we lived in. We were like central east. Yeah, we lived in the city of London, yeah. so called the the square mile, and we lived in East London, central east, and yeah, like. Four miles sounds like a lot, I guess, but it's only like 50, 60 minutes, which again may sound like a lot just to be like continuously walking. But if you put a podcast on and you're just kind of, you know, it it, it goes a lot faster than mm. you'd think. And once you get used to the walk, it doesn't tire you out or make you kind of It would take us like 90 exhausted. minutes, but it was both of us there. Yeah, because we'd walk at a slower pace because we're... I'm a snail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you also want to take it in more yeah. when you're walking with a different person. Whereas for me, it was stop like at places, it yeah. was a commute. Like I knew I had to get there on time. And yeah, I really that was like one of the things I most enjoyed about my time in London was that kind of several days a week I would walk to and from the centre and just kind of take in the city. Oh, I miss it now. Yeah, yeah. you made yourself sad. I may shed a tear. A little tiny tear. Just one one single trickles tear. Trickles down your In voluptuous per- cheeks. Per- <laughs> <laughs> In the perfect spot. Yeah. Over my rosy, rosy reds. 
So yeah. So yeah. Farewell, sweet London. We'll be back. You're dead to us. Hey. <laughs> it's Those like a bit of breakup with an ex you're like you know what i never loved you i'll always love you london <laughs> you're writing like a a song on the acoustic guitar what yeah i want you back i want you back i want you back because... i feared that me saying yeah, that would set off that chain you're always reaction. gonna set something up for me <laughs> always life is a song sure okay you know this by now i'm i'm gradually like when I'll sing Accepting and you'll be like, why is it a song? Yeah. Because <laughs> everything's a song, man, okay? <laughs> okay, so <sighs> we should probably get into our topics. Who topics. Says who? Says. Huh? The podcast police? So, yeah. They're going to kick down the door and say, you better get on with it. Rudy's going to come in standing on his back legs with the truncheon and a, and a police hat. <laughs> slapping it into his paws what's going on here governor what's going on here then governor what's this hanky panky he blows a whistle <laughs> a bunch of other cats come in with police helmets on <laughs> this is the cutest most terrifying thing i've ever there's thought. a swat team with smgs <laughs> and mace what? they can make little tiny little tiny canisters of mace little tiny guns for cats oh they don't have um they don't Thumbs. have fingers Four fingers. Fingers yeah. are more important than thumbs when it's. Comes but to in a my vision, when he comes in with the children, he's got fingers. Yeah, he's got like cat fingers. Well, they do kind of, like if you look at their paw, it is kind of like yeah. divided into little three kind or of four, yeah, not fingers, but it's like little sections that almost look like they could little be paws. fingers. Little, little. What do you mean, little paws? What's it's the, not the little know, parts like of the paw are, hands, are not a paw itself. If these are hands and these are fingers, no one can see you. And then they're cat fingers are poor <laughs> what are their version of fingers that's what i need to you're know you're like demonstrating this on your hand even though this is an audio medium <laughs> i think it's a verbal medium do you remember what my mom said oh. she was like is a podcast just verbal <laughs> hi mom if you're secretly listening go away um, mom turn off the podcast yeah um <laughs> is it verbal like it's like a test is that the verbal section of the of the <laughs> online blogging? Mm. Um, but yeah, so he's got fingers in my vision. Fing- cat fingers. Yeah. Like a cartoon cat. He comes and open hand slaps me. <laughs> <laughs> you fly across the room. <laughs> wow, he's strong. Because he only weighs well, like he's our 30 cat. pounds. He would be. What do you mean he's... Uh, what does that mean? Well, I don't understand the causal link blue there. Hawk. And we smash it, so he's got the strength. Okay. Because I birthed him, remember? I birthed him. You birthed before. him from your cat vagina? <laughs> <laughs> How many people have turned off the podcast by now? <laughs> They're like, this is not what I signed up for. Uh, yeah. We probably was... should have mentioned that we both dropped tabs of LSD before the podcast started. <laughs> That's going to explain a lot during the next two hours. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. We are deep in the psychedelic shadowlands. I can't even get my thoughts back on track right now. I'm just, I'm in the, the laugh hole. The laugh hole? That laugh sounds hole. dark. I don't know. <clears throat> like in a comedy club, if you're not performing, they put you in the laugh hole. That's It's like a, spiked, a spiked pit in and the ground. And there's all these like windows and they open and there's just like a laughing <laughs> face with like... We went two very different ways. Yeah, we did. To be honest, that, that's not as bad as a spiked death pit. Why are they dying? Because they couldn't be funny? Yeah. That's fucking horrendous. That's how horrendous. the comedy world works. 
If you don't make them yuck yuck, you get murdered. I hate comedy. Like, no. What a weird thing to say. (laughs) I can't wait for you to to justify and explain that. What I mean by that is, what I mean by that is, I have absolutely no interest in going to see like stand up. That is just not fun. But are you imagining like British stand up where it's like the most hacky, like most no, like like any lowbrow. I just am not into it. Even there are like a few people I've watched that I liked. Like I've seen like their special or whatever on TV. But it's really rare that I actually like it. Like formal stand-up comedy, like a guy standing on a stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really just not my type of thing. Like obviously there are like funny films or I love Friends. And to me that's really funny. But I just don't. (laughs) There's so many, like, comedy purists out there yeah. who have just, like, snorted their expensive yeah. wine. How dare you, you say that? You think people drinking expensive wine are listening to our podcast? Well, maybe. They sit down, they crack open a, a Chardonnay. A fucking tango. They let it breathe as they listen to our <laughs> delirious opening. Yeah. I just, there's, like, I just, I only like a certain type of comedy. Like, I don't like that, like, slapstick comedy. I don't like physical comedy. You're always telling me that you like comedy that punches down, that, like, makes fun of, like, minorities and people who can't defend themselves in, like, a societal sense. Like, you're always, like, people no, who are vulnerable. You like, can't people say who... that. You can't say that because people can't me. see your face. What, this what is can't so... they see on my face? No, they're not going to know that that's a lie. That's a fucking lie. And I'm going to cut this out. You're, like, editing the podcast while I'm asleep. <laughs> you're snipping out all the... You're in trouble. Potentially uh, trouble, I think. inflammatory parts. It becomes like the most sterile, bowdlerized. I'll just cut you mush. out and it'll just be me <laughs> talking to myself. <laughs> the intro of the podcast is like, hi, I'm Ryan, I'm Samantha. And then like the whole podcast is somehow just you talking yeah. to yourself. That bit about the death pit's going to sound really fucking weird. You think that's the part all? that's going to make people think yeah, that we're I'm sure the, deranged? Sure Heavily medicated. Unless you don't think anyone's listening now. <laughs> hey, I'll have you know that we have tens of of listeners in the low tens. <laughs> Maybe just ten. No. Maybe nine, which well, is, if all... you think about it, a form of ten. Well, they. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like justifying it to myself. I'm like, we've... no, nine, nine is close to ten. Well, they've all nine switched listeners us off. is ten. They've all switched yeah. us off now after your horrendous. Death My horrendous pit. what? You you really focused on the well, death pit. To be honest, I'm shocked. I'm shocked and appalled. Yeah. Shocked and honestly, and won't someone please think of the children? <laughs> smash okay. cut to like a four year old <laughs> listening to our smash episode. Cut. I swear this week you've said smash cut like seven times. Everything is billion times. When you have a smash cut with a with a strong You're so right though. Juxtaposition. We'll be watching something and you're like smash cut to to them beating up the steering wheel or whatever yeah. and he, you're right like every time yeah where are my TV. checks where are my checks for writing all these scenes that never get filmed yeah. or even ne- considered by anyone <laughs> i think i don't know how payments work <laughs> i'm like why am i getting wages for the funny jokes i make on the couch <laughs> it's like well there's a really easy explanation for that no i don't want it i want the wages <laughs> Don't try and talk to me of your logic and your reason. I don't know where we've gone, honestly. I think we should just just tell. Oh, we should mention we're in a car right now. No, You're confused about where we're at. We've just where reached a sign that to? says 
death pit. I don't want to go in the death Next pit. Next 40 miles. I was funny to myself. <laughs> so That's not what the death pit wants. I don't want to be in the laugh hole. Where's Rudy with his truncheon? How will that help? Because he's going to He's the one who puts you in the mama. death pit. No! He would never betrayal by my son. Your cat's son? My cat's son. Okay, give me a topic. Yeah. You yeah. want to finally move on to the podcast yeah. proper. <laughs> You're sick of all these shenanigans. Yeah. This is just me stalling as I <laughs> bring the article up on my phone. Okay, so my first topic for discussion is based on an article I saw on The Guardian, an opinion piece, entitled Smartphones Are Stealing Our Time. This New Year, I Want to Claim It Back. It's a okay. fairly short piece. Um <clears throat> Where the guy basically argues exactly as you'd expect based on that title. He says, like, we think smartphones are a good thing that kind of enrich our lives and make things more convenient and give us all these different options and and give us instant access to knowledge. But really, they've just become these sources of, like, trivial distraction and kind of they reinforce these unhealthy cycles of obsession and kind of mindless time wasting and he says i want to find ways to spend my time more meaningfully to do things that are actually worthwhile instead of just endlessly scrolling down instagram's feed well that's the thing it depends on what you are using your smartphone for there are plenty of people who use their smartphone in i guess quote unquote productive ways like, they're not just looking on Facebook, checking their emails in this kind of endless, like you said, scrolling fashion. There are plenty of people who use it for... I probably do 70% of my writing on my phone. Just because it's convenient, it's, like, close to hand, yeah, it's always there. because I, what happens is I just end up picking it up and I'll start a note or something. <clears throat> Yeah, and because I've gotten used to that, in a way, the words flow out quicker. It's kind of like when I try to um, say with creative writing, if I try to actually write with a pen, I find it doesn't come out because my hand can't move fast enough because for most of my life, I've been typing. Yeah. and then, yeah, there was, for a while, I didn't, my laptop had broken, and I guess I just picked up the whole writing on my phone thing while that was kind of out, while that was getting repaired or whatever. And now I kind of prefer, although obviously, you know, you can't be sitting at like, especially a keyboard like the one you've got on your PC. Like a nice, full, mechanical, yeah. clackety clack, clackety clack. <clears throat> it's very keyboard. satisfying, yeah. It is, yeah. It's like a tactile. Element yeah. to writing. So obviously there's a lot of people who use their smartphones for things like that. People read on their phones, whether it's reading um, fiction or articles. articles yeah. or <clears throat> and some people are very, very social. And so they're constantly talking, to, but they're constantly on Messenger or whatever. And um, I don't think that's something that needs, any of those things are things that need to be kind of, done less 
oh, I have to go outside and be at one with the nature because with that's the just nature. so fucking much more fulfilling than, you know. I have to sit underneath a cherry blossom tree and meditate yeah. on the meaning of man's inhumanity to man. I get I, I feel like we've touched on this before as well. Like, I get that whole, but connecting with people in real life is is way better than connecting with people online. And actually, for some people, it's not. Because connecting with people in real life is hard for some people. And what if a person, what if, for some people, mo- like most of their friends are online, i.e. they don't live close to you. So going out, trying to fulfill yourself that way well some people don't want to be alone when they're out um there's also like what are you going to do everything costs money and the only <laughs> thing that doesn't cost money is being at one with the nature and i don't want to keep saying the nature? i don't want to be at one with the nature because there's insects and stuff and i don't like it and i'm scared of grass and <laughs> i <laughs> i'm scared of grass yeah it's everywhere. Why is it everywhere? My, Why is no one paying attention to this? My mum tells us it's an infestation. <laughs> it's an occupation. My mum tells us to, it's not really a story. She just tells me that when I was little, I was scared of grass. Well, I was scared of everything, but grass was one of them. There was that guy who dressed up as a blade of grass and cut you really badly, though, right? <laughs> I mean, when you think about that unrelated anecdote, it kind of makes sense of the first part. Like, I know it, it doesn't seem <laughs> very intuitive terrifying. to link the two together, but... Dressed as a blade of grass. Yeah. No. That's how he hides in plain sight. Also, I forgot to mention he's one inch tall. <laughs> he's Jiminy Cricket. I am actually still scared of grass, I think. I would never sit on grass. But isn't that more because you worry about spiders yeah. and caterpillars? Oh, caterpillars? Caterpillars are kind of cute. Well, they're cute when you see like pictures of them on you. Reddit. But when yeah. you see like a giant millipede or something, that's like millipede. forty inches I am long. A millipede, I am amazing. No one is going to get that reference. You get it. And no one gets counts, any of the baby. references we make because they're just <laughs> forty layers deep into Someone's some gonna obscure it and their life YouTube will be video. Enriched, okay? I doubt that. And you know what? That's them being on a screen. So fuck you, guy who wrote this article. <laughs> I understand what you're saying though. Like that whole idea of it's like it's inherently less good it's inherently less Mm. valuable to do things via your phone or via your laptop or or just like to do it like you said through a screen like i don't agree with that either and so i'm definitely on the same wavelength with you there but that being said that being the aforementioned granted um i did gravitate to this article because i do kind of feel the same kind of inkling as this guy where I would preface it with, like I just said, like there's nothing inherently bad about doing something via a smartphone. It's just a tool. It allows you to do whatever a smartphone allows you to do. Um, There's nothing that makes it, you know, something to be avoided or something that has a deleterious effect on your life. Totally just whipped that word out of, of the memory banks. I could see you as you were like saying it. Your I was trying to think of what the perfect word was, face. and that was the one that came out. Yeah. Um, but that all that being said, I have recently, in recent months, I've found myself wanting to limit my smartphone use more and more because I have found myself often just those moments when you're just like on the couch and you're in between activities, like 
we've just finished eating a meal and I'm like, I know I should get up and like make a drink and then sit down and start playing some video games or like read a book or do mm. something like move on to the next activity. But you have that period of malaise where it's like, I don't want to move. I'm too lazy to get up right now. And the problem for me is I only have like 10 sites that I go on. Mm. Like I have news sites and I have Reddit and I have like yeah. a couple of people I follow on like you're Twitter. Not like and, a social media person, yeah. so that limit that already cuts out a big part of what going online is. And so for me, it's like once I have made my rounds of those sites for the day, it's like I've absorbed all the new content. But if I'm still just sitting there in kind of like don't want to move mode, I just go on the same sites yeah. over and over again, even though the there's cycle. no new content. And so that's just personally for me, that's something I found myself doing and that's something I want to try and break the cycle of. Well, obviously when you say that, and I think about when I do that as well, you find yourself constantly just checking like the The places that you go on. The same things you've checked four times already That obviously can be a drainer, especially when you don't realise it. You're like, shit, I've checked this thing four times now and there's nothing new. Um, Like if I'm binge watching a show... But it's a type of show where you can do other stuff as well. Like, I'll be on my phone at the same time. Yeah. Like, binge watching. I'm binge watching something here and I'm binge watching, like, food being prepared on Instagram. <laughs> like, I'm doing the two things at once. And in that way, like, that can be good and bad. Because, like I said, it's a show where my mind is not completely consumed. And so I have to be doing something else at the same time. But then there are those moments where you are like, I'm so sick of just, like, going on this thing and like doing the same thing because I'm not really getting anything new especially when you do check it like four times a day you're not getting anything new when you are it's like one thing because you've checked it so often so it can kind of take almost like the good out of it because it can become this this repeated habit that really isn't giving you very much so those types of things I can see like I want to replace that like you're saying when you do it in between activities and stuff I want to replace that with something else so I'll read a poem or a short story or I'll do something a smaller activity between the bigger activities and I like that idea I do I just don't want this whole like screens are bad like because I really hate that whole like that there will obviously be come a point soon i think in the next like um 50 years where those kind of like people with their old fashioned like thoughts <laughs> of like get off your screen get off your phone get off your tablet there won't be that many of those left there'll be none of them because left. i feel like, kids, like 120 yeah kids now they're getting ipads at like primary school like junior school or grade school from. You get your five-year-old an iPhone 7 Plus. Exactly, and people get mobile phones younger and younger as well. So everything you do is like via a screen then, like your homework, your schoolwork, your communicating talking with friends, with friends yeah. when you're not at school, etc. So it's starting younger and younger. So eventually this whole get, you know, you only get 30 minutes of screen time yeah. or whatever, <laughs> that's not going to be a thing yeah. at some point. Um so yeah, I the think old it's all about telling you that it's more wholesome to yeah. write on a typewriter and yeah. draw with like a stick of graphite. They're all going to be <laughs> worm food, and yeah. it's going to be iPads for toddlers. But I think, like you said, it all 
it all is just depending on what you do with it. Yeah. And if you find yourself sick of the habit of like rechecking those same old, same old places, then, you know, find a new activity. And if that new activity happens to be away from a screen, then, you know. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. I See, I find myself torn in a way because oftentimes, like I have, I feel amassed a good set of like kind of mental bookmarks for like actually good content, like good long form articles, mm. like good in-depth journalism, like interest in like blogs to go on. Like I know that I can do that if I want to, but it's almost like committing to that, like going on yeah. like one of those sites is like starting a new activity. So it's like that doesn't qualify for like just those periods of kind of um you know, mindless time wasting. So it's like I can't make myself do that instead of just, you know, constantly rechecking the front page of the New York Times. Like the thing that I said that I've done that we were talking about the other day, which I think is definitely going to help, is just load in my e-reader with like small things to read, like Mm. poetry anthologies where you can just pick it up and read a few poems or like short story collections where it's like you can just read something for like 10 minutes like I want to get into the place where I catch myself in that moment of like oh I've just for some reason refreshed this guy's twitter feed like again and again like I know there's no content there but my brain is caught in this kind of like endless like regression like this loop of like just keep doing it because we don't want to get up yet like I'd rather reach for my e-reader and just kind of scroll through a couple of poems Mm. and spend my time that way because then it doesn't feel like I've been an idiot for the last five minutes and doing like I might as well just be staring at a wall you know what I mean like I want like even if it's not productive with a capital P where it's like oh you did something you know really good like you you read like this 20,000 word piece on Julian Assange like (laughs) like even if it's not that type of thing I want it to be better than just like doing that kind of dumb contentless trawl yeah. Through, like, your, like, small selection of sites you go on. I feel like we need, like, so much content now as well to even fulfill ourselves almost. Because, like I was saying with, like, if I'm binge-watching a show, say, on, like, Netflix, on my iPad, if it's a show that, like, I'm not sure if I'm into yet or it's one of those things that you can do other things at the same time, I find myself needing to. The show isn't enough to completely take me in. So I then have to do something on my phone as well. Um, I do that a lot, actually. Or I find myself doing like three things at the same time. I'm reading something here. I'm looking at something on here. Something Something's music's on the TV playing. In the or something yeah. like, because I feel like we need more to stimulate us. One thing isn't enough. And because there is so much content as well, I feel like, I'm so impatient with things. If a page or a video or a GIF or something doesn't load in the first second, you know how, like, it's supposed to just, like, be really yeah, fast? Yeah, it's supposed to just pop up. If it doesn't, I close it. You aggressively because, exile yeah, because and I'm say, like, how I'm dare not, you waste my yeah, time? Yeah, I'm not here for this fucking slow-loading bullshit. <laughs> so I, I X out and click something else. Um, and I'm constantly just looking for more and more and more of a, of the same type of thing. But is that the way that technology has kind of inflicted a shorter and shorter attention span on us and a need for, like you said, more and more varied and kind of 
combine sources of stimulation like intellectually mm. and just kind of um in terms of entertainment is is that a good thing or can we actually say that mm. is a negative thing unless you kind of combat it unless you keep an eye on it unless you try and you know i think it can be a good thing in terms of if you're trying to do several things at once like if say for instance you had to read something for class or you were doing some kind of like coursework or something um and you were able to do that alongside something else or that thing that you that you were doing alongside it was helping you do it like up until a certain point when I write I always listen to music but then I found myself in the past year or two wanting to have something else in the background like something like friends I don't know why and I don't even know how I'm able to write with something like that one in the background but it's like you constantly need the noise like think about even when I read now I'll listen to like rainy mood yeah. or a score like a movie score or something um and when we go to sleep we listen to rainy mood yeah. and it's like you constantly need that that noise it has to be like a present yeah, in your life yeah. to kind of calm you down and and make you like feel yeah. kind of content like yeah i feel the exact same way when i read i almost always listen either to the sound of rain thunderstorms especially yeah, like awesome like background music well not background music but like background sound i know what you like, mean the background well, I also like the like, sounds of a cafe or something. yeah like i sometimes like bring up youtube videos of just like the audio from like a coffee shop and it's just yeah. like it's just kind of like indistinct chatter in the background but it kind of but it's nice and soothing you just kind of tune it out and it <clears> makes you it's almost like a palate cleanser where it's like now that you have this kind of background noise my mind can focus more on what i'm actually trying mm. to give my full attention to because when it's silent i feel like you do focus on the silence you start to get distracted. You start your your hands start to get yeah. restless. The sound of the fridge. You want to pick up your phone and well, check, like, like yeah. you know, someone's Instagram feed. Should or I be like, doing something else? Yeah. It's very unsettling. <laughs> but that's like that's like a very kind of millennial thing. I think like being yeah. uncomfortable with just like silence, like being comfortable just being by yourself doing nothing. Like I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, um, but I think it's something to consider. To think about how, like you said, we do constantly need these streams of information, these kind of sources of entertainment. Like, or we feel kind of oppressed by just being by ourselves. Mm. Like, why have we got to that point? Why can we not feel content just thinking thoughts, like sitting alone, like just contemplating things? Yeah. Though I can do that. I am often just like sitting there or lying there, like looking up off into space thinking about stuff and you're like are you okay i'm like yeah like whereas i feel like you rarely do that um you're doing all your thinking while you're doing other stuff whereas like i can separate the two and i can just kind of like sit there and just think about things i'm not sure i'd agree <clears throat> with your assessment of that honestly um i do oftentimes spend the moments when I'm doing other activities, thinking about things. Like when I'm exercising, when I'm on the exercise bike, I'm listening to music and I'm sometimes watching things on the iPad, but it's just kind of a mindless background thing. So I often 
for the time that I'm cycling, I'm thinking about things that are going on in my life or I'm thinking about things I'm working on. So I do do that, but I also do have those moments where I'm not doing anything and I am thinking things through and I am considering things and I am kind of coming up with ideas in my mind. Like, I think it's hard to see that in the other person because you don't know whether someone is just like vacantly daydreaming as they're like sitting Mm. there with like their eyes glazed over or whether they're like, yeah really pondering something important to them and maybe that's part of what contributes to this whole idea of like you know the millennial generation is so like vapid and like has no like introspection or kind of powers of contemplation because it's hard to judge when someone else is like actually thinking about things instead of just you know remembering the cat gifts they've seen that day (laughs) and we do love cat gifts as millennials God, just think about all the information that you take in without really reading anything. Like, we were talking earlier about purposely going on sites, for instance, with, like, long-form articles. There's that kind of, like, browsing, which is more a commitment that you don't necessarily want to be able to be pulled out of at any minute. But then there's the kind of um, taking in information via just endlessly scrolling things, like... your twitter feed or your facebook feed say if you follow like me i'll have like lots of different like types of news sites or um blogs and so much more than i do kind of actual people and their status updates and so that's a way for me to kind of like mindlessly take in i guess headlines if you will which in a way is terrible especially with the whole kind of like the way headlines have gotten so they have like no relation to the yeah. actual story it's just like clickbait it's sensationalism. like bullshit. i subscribed to a subreddit called saved you a click yeah and so it's always like the actual title of the link is the headline and then next to it is actually it yeah. was it's such like and such so what say, the headline should yeah, have yeah, been yeah um and it's really interesting yeah. honestly and and in a way, not surprising that half the time, more than half the time, it's not what it said it was going to be. But yeah, just the amount of information you take in just via like headlines or like the beginning of articles is kind of insane, honestly. Yeah. And to think that in a way I'm saying I need more of that, oftentimes I'm like, no, I need as much content as possible. Um, but like you said, there is kind of a certain superficiality to it because it is so low effort because it's so immediate Mm. like when you glance at the front page of the guardian or the front page of cnn or the front page of new york times you're just kind of like assailed by all these various headlines about like wildly different things like one's about an update on the ceasefire in syria and one's an update about kanye west leaving hospital and one's an update about gdp like you feel like you've taken in a lot of information because you've kind of um, assimilated all these headlines into your like short-term memory but in a way you haven't like it's so kind of surface level whereas like our fathers and our forefathers I just want to say forefather because it's a good (laughs) word Um, but whereas 
older generations would have read a newspaper like front to back like they read every story mm. and when they finished it they felt like they knew what had happened that day now we just glance at like the front page of like a news site or we go on a twitter feed or we go on reddit like or we go on some subreddit like you know what i mean like it's so mm. everything is so condensed and like made kind of it's like a way digestible. to keep up with things without really keep like investing yeah. anything in it um which is sometimes what i do when i almost can't take the realities of what's happening like especially on days where it seems like um the news cycle has just constantly been like really horrible horrendous shit like you almost like need to be able to have that thing between you and the real world because it it's too much yeah. if you try and take in all that kind of sadness and horror all at the same time. Um, it, it would be so easy to just be like, what's the point? What's the point in anything? Um, but that's also, I guess, a reason to step away from things because I do find more and more now that I almost don't want to look at the news because it is just kind of the same horrific shit over and over again. Um, and so I do think it would probably benefit to try and replace some of that browsing time with a different type of activity. I'm not saying necessarily it has to be away from a screen. Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, like load it up with like everything you possibly need so that you don't have to always fall back on those same old habits. Yeah. I think it's interesting how like I saw a a quote or like a a reference to a interview that noam chomsky did recently where he was basically like to love a mr noam you get major points if you remember what's that for is this a gilmore girl yes gilmore girl i totally didn't remember that line but i remember that rory has a noam chomsky poster in Uh, one of her dorm rooms or something like that i can't i i can't remember it's actually lorelei saying it to april in the new in the new um we don't talk about the we new don't season. talk about the new it season. never happened it's not part of the continuity <laughs> but anyway that's a discussion um, for another day it is indeed that's going to be a, that's going to be our first six hour podcast <laughs> um yeah he basically said like you can't educate yourself by just like kind of looking up things on the internet like because it's so like you know it's so low effort and it's so surface level and it's so a lot of it's such trivial information or a lot of it is like factually wrong like it's just people kind of projecting their own biases and and prejudices onto the actual factual matters and i think instinctually millennials are like inclined to strongly disagree with that because that is how people self-educate nowadays like a lot of people don't go out and buy like a book on like a subject they want to learn about like they go on like that wikipedia like rabbit hole where it's like they go from wikipedia page to wikipedia page and then they'll google stuff and then they'll read people talking about it on a reddit thread and then they'll like tweet about it on twitter and then someone will respond to them who knows a bit more than them like it's such like a scavenger hunt but it's in a way it's like a more kind of diverse way to learn about something because you're coming at it from so many different angles and there is obviously a lot of really good high quality information on the internet you just have to be able to find it. Yeah. And you have to use some like 
basic critical thinking skills to sort out the tripe from the actually useful kind of facts. I have such a problem with that. I had a teacher at uni. I did, um, I have a photography degree and he, you wouldn't probably rethink it for something like a photography degree, but there was an awful lot of research that you had to do for each assignment. And I had one teacher for one of my modules and he was always like, don't just go on the internet for your research. I want to see research from books. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Books, I want the ISBN numbers it's like, tattooed on your arm. I know. It's like, okay, yes, there are a lot of like bullshit facts on the internet, right? And there are a lot of websites that are created by people who don't really know the proper information. But books can lie too. Like there's this thing where it's like, you know, books are superior and books know it all. And if it's like, enshrined between two yeah, covers, it must be true. And that's it must just be valuable. not true yeah. and very annoying and patronizing and just as if you somehow will just, because you have access to the crap information, meaning that you're only going to take in the yeah. crap information. You don't have to gravitate to Yeah, that. you're not given any credit. You, you, Wikipedia can be great. But it also can obviously be shit because, you know, you, you do often have, for instance, people coming out and saying, I have a Wikipedia page about myself or about this thing and it, this and this is false. But Or you read don't... those lines and articles where it's clearly someone's got like, it's like so clear their personal bias. Yeah. Like if it's a page about someone, you can hear their grudge against that mm. person expressed in like this seemingly neutral statement about yeah. them. But don't use Wikipedia as your like yardstick re yeah whole research like everything you know about the thing you almost use it as like a source book like okay i have this base information now now let's go and investigate that further yeah, yeah. somewhere else don't just you know use it almost like as as in, as an encyclopedia and then you go away and you find the rest of the information from somewhere else um saying that i really do love and love the wikipedia rabbit hole of like <laughs> You know, being on a page about something and then getting to that and ending up on a completely different topic. I do love you that. You start on the page but, for the 2012 Olympics, you end on the page for like supermassive black holes. Exactly. Like, I, I, but I don't come away thinking I now know all the information and it's correct and I could like present it and know that I'm right. It's, it's so, it's almost like every now and then I'll have a moment of like, I'll look something really kind of like mundane up, like something will arise and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to look that up. And I have this moment of like, I can just look that up. <laughs> or if I'm with my mom or someone else, I'm like, why don't you just look it up? Yeah. Like as if... We all have phones. Yeah, as if people haven't thought about that or as if people don't utilize that properly. And I'm like, there's so much information. There's so many ways now to learn things. And it's so easier to teach yourself about things that I don't know why people wouldn't harness that. And that's why I get frustrated when people are like, no screens. Like, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting point. It's interesting how like our mums would like never, their first thought if they had like a question about something or they wondered whether they were right about something their first instinct would never to be to Google it. No. Because it's like 
they've grown up in that mindset of like, if you want to find out about something, you go to the library or you go yeah. to the bookstore. Or you, or you ask just someone ask who knows. someone you yeah. know who you think is a smart person and then they have like all the answers for things. But half the time their answers are like old wives' <laughs> tales or like whatever. Yeah, misheard yeah. like factoids. But yeah, like the younger generation, millennials, like we have like that search engine response like hardwired into like it is um, mental dna like if you want to know something you google it and it's 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 funny how like the vast majority of google searches surely surely don't go past the front page like it seems like google is this huge repository of like all these links on the on the internet and all this information but like if i google like how long is an average snow leopard like I don't go onto page ten. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like I go on the very first. You're link completely or the right. Link. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever go past the first page <laughs> unless I'm doing like, say, for instance, I, when I was at uni and I was doing deep research for an assignment. You search and search until you find the thing that you're looking for. But usually, it's you're looking up, you know, something you've seen in a show or something someone said or something you read in a book, and it's the first couple of results. Yeah. It's very rare you even get to the bottom of the page, let alone past the first page. Um, but yeah, I was giggling into myself then when you were talking because another thing that it made me think of is when I'm with my mom or like we're with your mom and they want to write something down and they're like, oh, let me just get a pen and paper. And I'm like, <laughs> write it in your phone. Use like, your phone. And the thing is, it's not like they're not people who like don't use the phone very yeah. often. No, our moms are business women and they're constantly on their phone. Your mom's always checking emails and stuff. And my mom's always taking calls from clients and stuff. And it's like... It's always in your hand, and I don't know why you haven't realized yet that you can just make a note. You can, you can do set anything a reminder. On this little you can have rectangle. your yeah. They've both still got like diaries and yeah. like file effects. Yeah, I mean it's just binders. You know, full of. I can go pages. absolute months without using a pen, like. But my mom is still getting out her diary every day. It's very strange. It's just what you know, like yeah. that's what's familiar to them. And that's kind of, once you've done something a certain way for a certain amount of time, like, mm. it becomes, like, the way you do it. Like I feel like I, a little bit, have known both worlds because I reached kind of, like, an age, for me at least, where I you had... were born before electricity was invented, <laughs> right? So, like, you knew what it was like to have, like, horse-drawn carriages and, like, chiseling notes into, like stone tablets and how all that stuff how dare you honestly how dare you i i remember when like get having a mobile phone was like oh my god it was like they were really expensive you couldn't the first mobile phone i had didn't even have texting wow so you know <laughs> just think like on young in, man that was back <laughs> in the day and it was a while a long while before you could like web browse yeah, and you know yeah. when it was like the really shitty web browsing that you would really only do it if it was like an emergency, an emergency of some yeah. kind and then it was still a long time before like it was only like the ipad touch for me not the ipad touch the, the iPad, ipod touch iPad's iPad touch the ipod Jeez. touch or whatever or Call the first iphone where i was like writing notes yeah. or like reminders and stuff so it really wasn't that many years ago so for me 
I feel like I was before it and, and I've been after it, but at a perfect time where I hadn't been set in my ways yeah. for like, you know, 40 years before having to transition. Um, so yeah, how there do you was really feel no point that to that, but like, like, do you, I, it's do you still marvel at the novelty of like being able to look things up or is it like deeply become like normalized? I think that's why I have mundane. those moments. Cause even though it has, it is obviously a natural thing and a first instinct to be able to pick up your phone or your iPad or something and check something. But I think that's probably why I do every now and then have those moments of like, wow, this is just, you know, Yeah. I remember when. It was like dial-up, AOL dial-up. You had to wait 10 minutes just to get the internet to turn on. So talking about that and the contrast between me not wanting to wait one second for something <laughs> to load yeah. is pretty ridiculous. It's funny to, to be so impatient for like a cat gif. Yeah. Like a four-second loop of like images and you're like, no, I can't possibly be made to wait <laughs> four seconds for this four second thing well i think because a part of you was like oh yeah i really want to click on this gift because i know it's going to be cute and funny but then another part of your brain knows actually i'm not that bothered by it so if you're given the option to back out like you're like i want to rectify this mistake immediately yeah i don't want to wait half a minute for it to half a minute jesus christ you know what i mean it feels like half you're waiting half a minute for like a 40 kilobyte gif your internet is like pre-stone age yep i don't know isn't it weird how some people are like, when you get someone who's like a real kind of like Luddite technophobe, mm. where they're like, I don't like that anyone can just call me. Like, I don't like being accessible. <laughs> like, the fact that I can just be text or like emailed at any time. It's like, what a weird, that what a weird, weird kind of defiance towards like a more and more connected world yeah. where you're like, I don't like that people can get a hold of me. I find that like That's really mystifying. Stupid. Because... <laughs> I'm like, just going to go right and say it. Well, yeah. You don't have to answer phone calls. You don't yeah. have to respond to text. You don't have to respond to emails. That's the that's the whole point of it. Like, you can respond how and when you want to respond. The phone gives you the option because it's not like someone's come and knocked on your door. Like, you mm. kind of have to open the door. If anything, it was worse before because you would get, an, you know, people would call you and... There wasn't caller ID, so you'd answer the phone. It could be anyone. It's a mystery bag. And people would either call you or they would come to your house. So in a way, it was worse then. Yeah. I mean, I feel like no one just shows up at places anymore. You arrange it via like 700 texts before. I need you to RSVP on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, like people don't just show up at your house anymore. So it is better. It's better for those types of people where they want to be prepared. They want to be able to say when and where something's going to happen. And so I don't understand that at all, really. It's very strange. I want you to write letters to me. I want us to do it the old-fashioned way. I want you to write them on parchment with a quill. I want you to seal it with with an ancient wax seal from King George I want to receive one of these. Well, yeah, but I'm just like... I'm just kind of poking fun yeah, at that whole, like, it's better if it's, like, old school. Like, yeah. not really. Like, it's the same message. Like, I get that there's, like, a small novelty of, like, yeah. doing it the old-fashioned way. But, like, communication is communication. Like, do you care about communication or do you care about, like, the kind of little trivial physical, like, quirks of it? Like, yeah, because it's, like, romantic and everything to receive a letter. But do I want to wait 10 days to send it? <laughs> 10 days? Wait for them to write another letter and then for them to oh, send right, it back. Yeah, so no, I don't. I want to wait the nine minutes while you respond to my email. 
or whatever. Like, Nine I'm minutes. there checking the time saying it's been 43 minutes. Why no. haven't they responded? Like, I've become so impatient that I feel like you can't go backwards. It's, it would just, it would just be a shock, I think. Although there is that weird added element to communication now where with things like read receipts and like send receipts like yeah it has kind of added a pressure to certain conversations where it's like if someone sends you an important text where it's like mm. can i come over today like i need to talk to you like if they know if they see the red receipt and they know you've read it it puts you in an awkward kind of time sensitive yeah. urgent you feel that kind of like oh i have to respond now like what i didn't really i wanted to kind of just pretend i hadn't seen it so tomorrow i could be like oh i just saw your text today but you can't anymore like technology has kind of ensnared us in that way well i feel like there should always be an option to turn those things off and there is for the most part like i message you can turn that off although obviously they can still see when you're typing um but like whatsapp has it by you can default. turn that off you as can? well. Oh, okay. I don't know if you can turn it off on Android, but you can turn it off on iPhone. Sometimes when I get in my really, like, <clears throat> if I'm having a really bad one of my my crash days, yeah, as I sure. call it, and I'm finding it hard to communicate, I sometimes turn my, my notifications and things like that off. You don't want to feel the pressure. Yeah, I don't want to feel the pressure because sometimes I feel like I actually can't respond to you and I don't. That's my way of saying to people, I can't be, I can't talk right now. Like, um, but that's like a good reason. It's yeah. not just like, I can't be bothered to look at your baby photos. Like, I no. can't be bothered to respond to you about whether we're meeting up this Sunday. Like, that's like, I'm having a hard day and I don't mm. want my phone to like exert this kind of pressure on me where I feel like I need to do this and I need to do that and if I don't then they're going to see that it's been 44 minutes mm. and oh my god like they're going to yeah. think I'm a bad friend and I hate them. Of and course it's like a sore thing as well for some people it's like I know she was online and she didn't respond to me and I don't know why what have I done why is she mad at me like does she not like me anymore like there's this whole other layer to things when it comes to things like, I don't know, so like if you go on Facebook and you can see a person's in the chat or whatever, you know that means they're online or they've been active or something. And so obviously some people get butthurt. They're like, I don't <laughs> understand why this person isn't responding to me, but there can be so many things going on, you know, and you've just got to try and be patient sometimes, I think, and just, you know. Yeah. Although staying on the social aspect, do you think that, I know communication is communication, like I said. To a certain extent, if you're talking to someone, you're talking to someone. But do you think that, like, this kind of social media paradigm of staying in touch with people and, like, finding new people to talk to, do you think that's, like, a more shallow, less meaningful way to do things? No, because I feel like with it being online, you often almost, like, open up more sooner you have less inhibitions because it's like yeah there's that level of you don't really know that person so i mean obviously there are people who don't do this but then there are there are people that do do this the fact that the person is basically a stranger helps you open up more so you end up kind of being an open book quicker and in a more intense way than you might with someone in real life and then there's obviously the people where they can't seem to connect fully 
online and then they move quicker into wanting to meet the people or they find themselves trying to just connect with loads of people because they can't get that connection. I think it probably works either or. For me, I find it can be an intense connection. I met you online and my best friend I met online. Um, I communicate mostly with my brother now online because he lives in a different country. You know, even with my mum, we barely talk on the phone when we don't see each other. We text. Yeah. and so I think, obviously, for me and for people like me and like you, um, it is just an, as an intense thing, or if not more, than being with people in person. Yeah. I just mean in terms of, like, if you have an Instagram friend, quote-unquote, like, you communicate primarily by, like, commenting on each other's photos. Like, yeah. that kind of form almost kind of heard you down the path of like trivial surface level interactions where instead of being like you know let's talk about how work is going or how are you doing at university like it's just like oh you look great in that picture like you look so cute in those sunglasses like yeah I can see what you mean because there are obviously people who I am quote-unquote only friends with via like Facebook Instagram I'm only friends with them on the basis that we like each other's content and we comment on each other's content. And if we don't, then we don't talk. There are those types. But I would still say on some level, for me, there are certain people I do that with where I still really like that person and in a way wish that we could communicate in a fuller way but it's just kind of harder to do it especially once you've settled into that yeah you you might have been like you know social media friends for like two years or three years or even more but you because neither of you has ever kind of like messaged each other outside of that it's it's now hard to 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 get to that point and so you you base your whole kind of like knowing that person on what they choose to put out. But at the same time, I mean, I've seen people like I'm quote unquote friends with, they'll like get pregnant, get married, have a baby. You see them throughout their whole pregnancy. They then have the baby. The baby turns five. And it's like, I've seen all these major life changes that you've decided to share. And so I do feel close to you in a way. We have swapped communications with each other when we've you know you post about being depressed or you post about having a bad day and they comment and they try and make you feel better and that is a form of friendship yeah of course. it's just like a new form of friendship that you have to kind of realize the limits and boundaries um and things that you can't necessarily do and then obviously you also have that with people that you do kind of like then see in real life as well you know, you have the communication online and you have the communication in person. Um, obviously, this can get taken to a higher level when people have, like, thousands of, like, social media friends and they don't really know who's commenting. They're not famous or anything. They just have yeah, a lot. Yeah. They don't really know. Like, that person's commented on all of my photos, but I know nothing about you. There's that. Then there's that type of kind of more shallow kind of like you're just kind of faceless people in a yeah. crowd of followers yeah but don't you think it's kind of inherently less 
kind of special or intimate just regardless of how many followers they have like just if you think about just because it's public like that friend you were talking about she posts a pregnancy photo she posts her marriage photo she posts like you know a photo of her in her sweat scene in ice cream on the couch because she's depressed but everyone could see that like she's not sharing them with you like she didn't whatsapp you these photos and be like you know, this is how I'm feeling today, like, or like, here's this like new milestone in my life. She put them out there for everyone to see. Anyone can see them, like some random guy in Taiwan can see them. And you also see them, you know what I mean? Like, it's not actually true in terms of, I'm specifically thinking of certain people that I have that type of friendship with, and their profiles are private. Oh, okay. And so the only people that they're friends with are people that they actually know, or people that they've become online friends with that they trust that information with even my like facebook is private there are things that i will put on facebook that i won't put anywhere else because it's private um like inflammatory hate speech <laughs> yeah like your radical political positions <laughs> and so embarrassing confessions and i'm so, gonna keep speaking no. until you accept that it's true how dare you and so this is the expose podcast i do think there is a level of like you're all my friends and I trust you. There's only about 200 of you all together and I'm like, this is the space and we're all friends. Whereas that's what I'm saying when it is like 10,000 people, you know that there's there 10,000 people and the profile's public and everyone can see and, you know. So would you then kind of feel like not betrayed? Betrayed is like too melodramatic and severe a word, but like, in this scenario that you're describing, if a friend had a closed profile or say more specifically, they like sent you a photo where it's like a picture of them and their baby. Like, you know, she took her first steps today and I wanted to, I wanted you to see like. And they actually sent it to me. Yeah. If they sent you that photo, you'd feel that warm feeling of like, you know, they shared this with me. They wanted mm. to give me some insight into this very important personal aspect of their life. If that happened and then you found out that they later posted that on like a public Instagram, like they did share it with the whole world, would it kind of devalue that kind of gesture in your friendship? Like they reached out and they wanted to say to you, like, I trust you with this. But then you came to realize that they were just not doing really. that willy nilly anyway. Not really, because the very act of them purposely doing something private. Like, I wanted to share this with you. Like, um, no, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. Although, that being on the flip said, side. Disregard the aforementioned. Aforementioned. I don't really know. I know how to use Snapchat, but it's just very, like, meh to me. Sure. And I, I don't personally send, like, I don't post any snaps to the main feed that's called stories where your friends can see it i have only ever posted things privately to people like i i play around with filters and stuff when messaging with my brother or there's a few friends who i also do that with um and i can't work out for some friends if they're sending me a snap or I'm getting a notification that they've posted a snap to their story. Right. So then I don't know whether I've been give. 
in that same respect like you were talking about I don't know if I've been sent a message a nice thing by my friend or if they're just posting it to their main stories and I'm getting notes. It's just like them updating a feed. Yeah, like I don't can't tell the difference. But doesn't the fact that you care mean that the distinction is important on some personal level? Like I it's a lot so, more special yeah. if they just send it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. But I'm not mad if yeah, it turns out course. to be that's kind of petty and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Childish. It is obviously a little bit less kind of Oh. It means maybe more. Maybe she just kind of go. Maybe just kind of go. Oh, okay. Like I can. You're making kind of like a disgruntled face, though. Kind yeah. of like, oh, I guess we're not that close then. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. See how I'm like peeling back the psychological layers of the. It's mental how onion. you put it, though, because when you put it in the other way, I wasn't mad about it. I'm not mad about it now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Or, like crushing, like <laughs> granite damn in you, your hand. fucking stupid thing. Yeah. yeah, I do think it's interesting what you said though about how it is in a way a purer form of communication when you text someone or you email someone like as opposed to like like if you don't know someone that well like it's a new friend I think both of us would feel a hell of a lot more comfortable and a hell of a lot more at ease just communicating if it was like via email like if we could just write what we were saying instead of you're in person you have the uncomfortableness of being somewhere around other people you have to worry about social cues you have to worry about your social anxiety you have to worry about how you look and how people are perceiving you and like you know what are we going to do after Mm. this and like there's all those kind of tertiary things that kind of cloud your ability to communicate clearly and in a kind of like Mm. intimate way and there's like that aspect of like just rambling because you're nervous and perhaps saying things that you didn't really want to say and the conversation goes in a direction then that you didn't really want it to go in but like if you email or messaging you can carefully choose what you want to say, you say exactly even when what you, you say. are in a ramble mode you're just kind of like your stream of consciousness it's an intentional ramble like typing it out saying what you want but you are choosing to then do that or you could not do that you can start again I do prefer that kind of... Like, even when, like, sometimes me and my best friend will message each other and she's, like, voice messaging me, like, sending me recordings, and I respond via texting, even though, in a way, it would be easier to just press the voice record. But sometimes I just prefer to say it with text, you know? And then, obviously, there's the lazy times when you don't want to text, and so you do the voice. Um... But even that is still easier than being in front of someone. Because sometimes as well, she'll be like, do you want to FaceTime? And I'm like, no, let's just voice message. And in a way, there's no difference. The only difference is that you can choose when, you can choose even more carefully when to respond. Whereas like a phone call is like an ongoing thing. But you can also delete the message if you're not happy with it and re-record it. Although obviously as well, and I mean, we do have the types of phone conversations where we're sometimes not saying anything. We're just kind of doing stuff, but we're on the, the yeah. FaceTime with each other. Um, and that's more like an in-person kind of like meeting yeah, up yeah, with yeah. a friend. Like sometimes you don't, like on phone calls, if someone phone calls you, you talk to them. Like mm. it's not like someone calls you up and it's like, sorry, just give me a couple of minutes. I'm yeah, just chopping yeah, yeah. these like tomatoes. Like, it's harder to be silent. If it's like a video thing, you can just kind of hang out. It's more kind of like a facsimile of like actual in-person interaction. When we first met, 
we Skyped like all day and all night, like pretty much. Like whenever we had free time, we were on Skype. But, and even though we did talk, we learned so much about each other in that first week or two from doing that. There were also lots of times where we were just like, eating or just doing our own doing thing, other stuff still kind of connected by that yeah like exactly and it was nice webcam it was nice it does kind of make you feel like you're there and i know when my brother met his wife he met her online as well i know that they would watch movies via skype together and they would often fall asleep while skype was still on and i think that's just that, there's that's something nice. nice about that like if you are in a long distance mm. relationship whether that's like with a romantic partner or even like a friendship can be like yeah. a long distance relationship in a way because you do need to maintain it is, that you do, relationship yeah. like yeah skyping like or facetime and like that type of thing can be like a life saver like mm. it can really kind of replicate albeit to a lesser degree that like closeness that like intimateness of like being together and just yeah. having those like easy silent moments of like you're each doing your own thing in each other's company. So it's like kind of nice and Is it weird that I enjoy when my friend call FaceTimes me or calls me and she's like grocery shopping and I'm just like listening to like her interactions with like No, of course not. The it's like woman or... a voyeuristic thing, but like yeah. you all also feel like you're there with her. She'd probably say that you're the friend you're talking about is Steph, because she's probably Hi, listening Steph. to this and like she comes in the door as we're recording. <laughs> She's screwing on a silencer to her pistol. She's wearing a ski mask. Why are you always going to take it in a dark direction, Because huh? Steph is here to assassinate us <laughs> no. for our dangerous, subversive you, podcast. Please but yeah, don't kill me in my sleep. Although if she was going to kill you, you'd want it to be in your sleep. No, I'd want to look her in the eyes. I'd want to say, why are you doing this to me, Steph? <laughs> she Doesn't wouldn't our friendship be able mean to assassinate to me. She's nice and friendly and warm. But if it was a fight to the death, I'm full of love. Do you think you could take her? What are you saying? You're trying to get me into trouble. I'm trying to instigate. I apologize, Steph. A mortal struggle Just between you and your best friend. Being a silly. Because I'm a mischievous. What imp. about you and Matthew? Huh? 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 I think I could take Hi, Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> like honestly, but I think I could take like anyone because that's like the typical like yeah. macho ego. Like obviously I couldn't. Are you like, being a boy right now? The UFC heavyweight champion. I'm gonna get like completely demolished by that guy yeah. like he's gonna pound me into like a cinder block but there is the aspect of like the male kind of um Matthew's like I'm fucking ready oh I'm ready he's like I'm coming over there wrapping <laughs> his fists and yes, then like the gluing broken glass the... to them what is wrong That's hardcore. with you I'm gonna put you in a he's a hardcore street fighter I'll have you know yeah what's his like street fighter name Matthew the the what Maleficent <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> I wanted to say Matthew the Marvelous, but that's not really like a tough Matthew the Marvelous. I like that. That's like an name. old boxer type name. Oh yeah. He's a With he's a pugilist. Fisty fisticuffs. He's a traditionalist. He's like old brown like leather <laughs> boxing gloves and he's like The leather's so old that it has like actual like cracks in it, yeah. like fractures because it's so stiff and like obviously I don't really think like you know what I mean like Matthew is scrappy. Fight. Like I feel like he'd he'd uh He'd just nut you. What? Drop the nut. No one's gonna know what that means apart from our British, British listeners. People. people know what head. If you've watched is. the Guy Ritchie film, you probably know what it means. Do you think anyone watches like that type of film and it's like 
oh yeah that's us like yeah <laughs> like it's great that he's really captured our life yeah some people will be or does like, everyone oh, think so oh yeah i know someone like that i hate people like that it's probably split some people will be like i'll be like yeah that's me and some people will be like i know a guy like that how did we get here from me and matthew in a cage fight no idea. With Big John McCarthy adjudicating. Along the way. I like Big John. Man, I'd look small next to Big John. I hope Big John doesn't retire. His name is very appropriate. I want him to go for like at least 10 more years. He could ragdoll people well into his like 60s. We should say that he's a UFC referee yeah. because most people aren't going to know what the hell we're talking about. But if they were listening to our episodes, they're going to know because we talked Here's a better question. We spoke about Big John before. If it was a two-on-one... Me and Matthew locked in a cage with Big John. No, like we'd he have out, you. He'd he outweighs us that. individually by like 150 pounds. But together, we probably weigh the same as him. He'd have you for breakfast, dinner and lunch. And if you can get that subtle, subtle reference, you get points. I don't get it. I'm afraid I'm I don't. I'm not going to tell what it is. I wonder if anyone listening got it. <laughs> we get like a frantic email. It has to do with the sex tape. I'll just give you that. What a weird now reference I've let people, to the reference. Now I've let people know that I've watched a certain sex tape. You made a reference to something said on a sex tape? Yeah. What do you, I, I find it funny that you're like, now people know that I've seen a sex tape. <laughs> no, I mean a certain sex I've tape. I've seen pornography on the internet. Please don't tell oh, no. Mother Teresa. Don't tell my mummy. Mother Teresa, really. I think we could take... Big John, me and no, Matthew. No. Matthew jumps on his back like a spider monkey. Someone always covers his eyes, back. gouges his eyes, and I just punch him like repeatedly in the throat. You, I don't think your punches would hurt Big John. I think I, if I punch Big John in the throat, in the throat maybe, yeah, or like the balls. Sure. He's wearing a cup at all times. <laughs> he's wearing. <laughs> he's ready for things to go down. Uh, we're descending into madness. Let's move on to a different topic. Funny how no one ever says they're ascending into madness. Like I finally reached, because I've reached madness the threshold not, of madness. Because madness is not seen as as the goat. It's not the thing that the people goat. want to get to. <laughs> no, I guess madness is not the greatest of all time. No, That's it's very not. true. In the pantheon of like is, states. For some creatives it is. That's they true, want yeah. to be mad so they can like just like I was Salvador talking Darling. Talking to you the other day about wanting to be manic. Because it helps with my creative process. That's a dark thing to say. I feel like I did just throw that out there willy-nilly. But obviously in context, it has a lot more behind it. Like I didn't just say, yeah, I want to be fucking... Isn't it fun to be manic? I just... (laughs) No, but I I got what you were saying. You were saying like out of the two states, like you're able to be a hell of a lot more productive when you're in that kind of... It obviously has its downsides though. Of course. But yeah... We were talking in the context of, like, getting writing done, like, yeah, ha- yeah. when Not we're at our else. most productive. Yeah. It wasn't just, like, randomly, like... <laughs> Take away my pills. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel the threshold of sanity. <laughs> Throw me into the, the, the wasteland like of that. madness. Anyway... Um, what were we talking about before this? I don't this? know, honestly. Because we did just take a four-hour detour, yeah, just in case did. you're wondering. This is why I people quickly glanced at the time enjoy stamp. listening to us because we just like to just not talk about things. We're talking about communication in the oh, yeah. the smartphone age. Yeah, 
I Here's like a question. Okay. Sorry to speak over it's you, right. but honestly, it's the male prerogative. <laughs> whenever I want to speak, I can. I'm and whenever you him. want to speak, I'm kicking him so you, you know he's been punished. The male hey. permission. The kicks get I harder. I want to say male dumb. Yeah. You must maildom. seek permission from male dumb. Like the male dumb? Yeah. Okay. Because like you're saying it like kingdom. male dumb, as in like a male dumb. Yeah. Menatrix. Oh, I thought Dominator. you were saying a male Dominic Monaghan. Because <laughs> like, he is a <laughs> male Dominic Monaghan. He's yeah. not a female Dominic Monaghan. He's a male Although if he wanted Monaghan. to be, we'd obviously deeply respect his, his personal decision. Yeah. I don't, you've got mad on the same. We're taking away your pills? The secret is that I've never taken my pills. <laughs> That's how we're, we're able to do um, three-hour podcasts. I don't take my pills and I replace yours with like sugar, placebo pills. How dare you? I'm okay. on a sugar high right now. Yeah, pretty much. I do remember what we were talking about. Here would be my question um, to kind of round this out. Like, I think we're both in agreement that talking to someone over text, like if you're messaging on a smartphone, like to bring it back to what we were talking about originally, like that has all those advantages, especially Mm. for people like us who do have social anxiety and do find it difficult to be dropped into that kind of real world scenario with all its distractions and challenges. But there is also that problem of like, people do say things over text that they wouldn't say in real life and that's a bad thing like people are often when they get mad they're more insulting they're more quick to like start like a a kind of dramatic argument they're more kind of quick to say offensive things lightly because they don't have to look at the other person's reaction in real time as they make like a risque joke but it's only a bad thing in terms of they've shown you who they really are quicker like, if that person's going to say that, nothing, the fact that it's communication via online or text, that's not made them do it. Like, obviously something about that has helped them say it, but they were always going to be that fucking hateful and horrible anyway. And so, you know, that's why things like when you are like online dating, it's almost like easier to weed people out or to get to know someone better because things are so concentrated. If you were like in a bar or like like and you'd been approached by like three different guys or whatever, like or three different women, um Well then it's a good night, but dun dun I feel <laughs> I feel like all three people would probably say the same thing. That's very standard, like, hey, my name is, how are you doing? Can I buy you a drink? Blah, blah, where are you from? What do you do? And it's over. Whereas, like, very quickly after, like, the first or second message when you meet someone, you have to get into something more personal. Otherwise, or even just finding a topic that you like, you have to get into these things much quicker, much deeper, because it does. it's not sustainable. Like... Because obviously, oppositely, you can be friends with someone. Um, you now maybe don't see them very much anymore. So you're you you have been, you know, the only way to maintain the relationship for the most part is to communicate via text or online. And you quickly realise that actually, via text or online, they're not that interesting because they don't have much to say, or they find it hard to communicate that way, 
or you realize maybe they didn't really talk about very much in person at all but their personality without them really giving much away was enough to hold you um all the fact that you were friends with them in person almost makes you kind of keep that connection being friends with someone online or via texting and stuff it's almost better to kind of like weed out those people that maybe aren't real friends maybe don't care that much about you because if you don't maintain it you don't want to maintain it that's really the the bottom line i do like the idea of like it's your purest self when you're Mm. communicating via text because like we've said you can really agonize over each individual word choice if you want you can really fine-tune things so that you express what you're trying to express with like really precise exactitude like you can really make sure you're saying what you want to say and yeah there is also that added kind of cloak of like I don't have to see the other person's face when I say this so it does embolden you to say things you might not otherwise say but like you said if you're a douchebag and you're going to say stupid offensive like disgusting things you're going to say that regardless like you said it might just take longer it will come out eventually you have to go through the kind of polite rigmarole of meeting someone it will just take the right circumstance like a get-together with family or for someone to really kind of nitpick at a certain situation like a certain conversation or a certain topic to get you to do it but you will eventually do it um and i would much rather know that i think you should there's that quote where it's like um when people show them show you i'm gonna butcher this when people show you themselves believe them but yeah, I don't know who that quote's by. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have been for any of you like, as you kind of like stumbled over the quote, you then went on to be like, and the quote is like, you can never say quotes properly without stumbling. Oscar Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been very meta and yeah. self-referential. It's deep. Which is what this podcast is about. <laughs> so tune out if you don't like it. We've lost all our listeners via this episode. I hope you know that. Yeah, it was worth it, though. (laughs) I don't know why it was worth it, but it was somehow worth it. Okay, so, yeah, do you want to give me a next topic? Yeah. Let's move on. Our next topic, your next topic, the next topic. So, yeah, the next article I wanted to talk about, I saw on Aon.co. It's a uh, interesting kind of opinion piece entitled female nudity is powerful but not necessarily empowering i'll just let that sit for a second so you can ponder the implications and start assembling your rebuttal um and so it's not very long article um this woman basically goes through the recent history of like how women have used nudity either as like a way to send like a political message or a way to like resist some kind of like oppression or like a way to enrich themselves in a materialistic sense like there have been all these different ways that since the time that you know female nudity was like in any way permissible like you wouldn't get beaten up in the street for, Mm. like, going topless. Like, once we reach that threshold, like, these are the different routes of, like, kind of manifestation of it. Like, I thought it was interesting to kind of see how it has evolved. Like, at first, it really was, like, a very kind of 
stern, like very serious kind of um, political statement. Whereas now it's more kind of like a, you know, it's become cheapened in a way. It's become female nudity <clears throat> has become commercialized. It's become just a way to sell a product or to make a movie more exciting or like whatever it is. Like, um, and she's basically just decrying how that kind of degradation, that progression towards devaluing it, has happened. And I thought it would be interesting because I'm very ambivalent on the subject. Like, I really feel like I don't have my mind made up one way or another. So I wanted to talk it out with you and, and basically see where we got to. I think it really depends on what type of consumer is taking in this nudity. Because there is part of the world that thinks a certain way who, you know... They're very judgmental. They might be shallow. They don't often think past a certain level of thinking. That you know, they don't. They're not deep thinkers. They um, they don't engage in any kind of like intellectualism. And to see um, a naked woman means one of two things, you know. And then there is. Someone... Are you not going to elaborate on what those two things were? No, I just mean it. It can mean it's like a very limited one range of, of yeah, responses. yeah, yeah. One of two things, but they're both kind of shitty. It's either like... just like this is like the cheap titillation yeah. of like tawdry pornography, or it's like you have that kind of outdated like puritanical response of like I can't believe she's yeah, bearing her breasts sort of, in the like, streets. You know. Yeah, and then there are the other group of people who try to find out what it means they think about how it makes them feel they say what is this for who is this is this supposed to be entertainment is this supposed to really just be about her is this am i supposed to get something from it like what is this is this political is this supposed to kind of move something forward um and i think that's what we need to be talking about because i think it can mean and it can be for so many different things. And there is something to be said about all of them. Like, what's wrong with a person if she decides she's totally okay with being nude um, for the purpose of selling a perfume or a car or a movie? She's okay with that. Is that exploitative? Can you consent to your own exploitation? Can you kind of consent to your sexuality being commoditized, being commercialized? Exactly. Like, there might be, like, you know, really racy ad for some shitty action movie and everyone's up in arms about how, yeah, but why does she have to be, like, half naked? Like, blah, blah, blah. And there's a boycott. And she, the woman who, like, wanted to do it might be... Obviously, this is not always the case, but she might be, like, at home with her fucking check for $5 million or whatever. She got a good deal. You know what I mean? Like, nobody knows. Each person has a different reason and has a different deal and has different feelings about it. She might be like, no, like, it's my body and I made a decision and I'm happy with that decision and I now reap the benefits of that decision. And I feel fucking great because look at my fucking body. I am fucking awesome. Like, right, you know okay. what I mean? 
And then obviously there is the flip side of that where people don't have a choice and they are forced into things and they sell themselves for whatever reason. They weren't happy about it. They didn't want to do it. Maybe they don't get any benefits from it. They don't get a payday. It is a clear-cut, like, violation. That's something different. sometimes is used in a way that they didn't expect or they didn't consent to. That's something different. Um, But I feel like we are talking about a choice. I feel like we are talking about the types of women who do put themselves on display on purpose. And so that's what we want to talk about because I feel like that other section is a whole of a kettle of fish. Um, I think you can do a lot of things. For instance, if we just talk about something really simple like Instagram, okay, people who post like either, well, there's only a certain level of nudity, like you can't show nipples. Hashtag free the nipple. Yeah. And you can't obviously Hashtag show your, insta li- misogyny. your lips. It's <laughs> hard so to know how to respond to that. You know, you can't have your legs wide open because I don't, I don't think that's allowed either. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not allowed if you can't show your fucking nipple. If you can't show nipple, you can't show... I'm guessing you probably can't show anything else. Yeah, exactly. So... There's obviously a certain level of nudity, you know, nipples covered, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's, like, half-naked people where they just show, like, they just, they are topless or you see them from behind. It's so more kind of suggestive. Book. Yeah. But there's that, like, you're either going to be someone who's instantly going to be like, that's so tacky, like, she's clearly only doing that for, like, attention and likes and compliments and blah, blah, blah. But actually... And I don't obviously post, it's not obvious, but I don't post half-naked photos or naked photos of myself, but I do post pictures of myself. I post selfies or I post photos that you've taken of me. And there is something really, like, I have come on a journey of, like, really not liking myself all the way to loving myself and, like, fully prepared for having something shit said to them in a comment on Instagram or whatever, but wants to put myself out there as an expression of how I now feel about myself. And I feel like in doing that, part of that is me accepting my body and loving my body and letting everyone know I love my body because that makes me feel good. There's nothing worse than someone, than having someone else think that you think a certain way about yourself. And so I like... it's not true. Yeah, and I like that confidence that I can put out there about myself. And so there's got to be, you know, a portion of those women who are posting naked photos of themselves that are doing it for the exact same reason. They're doing it because it makes them feel good. Not the attention, not the likes, but the fact that they feel good putting themselves out there. That in and of itself is something like truly amazing if you can get to that point. And so I... I think there are lots of different reasons and ways and whys people put themselves out there. Um, And so I think before you judge and you say, is this 
empowering or whatever you need to know why that person's putting yeah. out there obviously you can't always know why and that's when it falls on yourself to form an opinion about it so you've really got to know to come to an educated conclusion yeah, if you can you've got to know things on either side in order for you to decide what what's what's the sitch yeah i i pretty much agree with everything you said like it comes down to the individual intent in each case like why is this person pulling this stuff out there? Are they doing it purely for like vanity reasons or for kind of avaricious reasons where it's like, I want to benefit monetarily from this. I want to gain more likes. I want to gain more followers. I want to kind of go up the charts of like social media currency. Like I want to become more popular. Like there's lots of different reasons why people do it. Like it's, you can't kind of, postulate like a intellectual uniformity and like place that over every single person who posts a picture of themselves in any state of undress like but that being said i don't necessarily agree with you where it's like if like a female celebrity for example poses naked to sell like like you said a perfume like i don't think that's empowering and I know I have to make the caveat of like, you know, oh gosh, who am I to say? I'm just a, a male. Like, how could I possibly understand these infinitely nuanced and complex matters of like female sexuality? But I am going to weigh in on it. So let's are just you, move past that. But before you say, are you saying you don't think it's empowering for her or you don't think it's empowering for other people? In a way, both. And I'll explain what I mean. Okay. Like... I don't think in a way you can consent to your own exploitation if we're going to use a strict sense of the word. Like, obviously you can consent to a situation where you come out on the short end of the stick. Like, anyone can make a deal where they get less than they're worth or less than they could have got or less than whatever. But I just think that if you're going to bear your naked body to the world to sell a product that isn't your product. Like, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a book of photography where, like, you're using a, a a nude photo of yourself that's in the book to sell it. Like, it really is just this tacked-on aspect of, like, titillation in the advertising. It's like, I just, I don't see how, no matter how the person involved thinks about it, it can be anything other than, someone taking advantage of a kind of juvenile response to female nudity in order to hawk some cheap crap i disagree because if i feel like it would feel really fucking good to be like okay i was given i was asked if i wanted to use my body my body that i love to promote something that I like but I didn't necessarily make and in turn I get paid for it that's empowering you used not even a skill that you have you used yourself you're like that's the baseline like if you don't have anything else all you have is your body and your mind and you're selling that and you're happy about what it says and the thing that you're selling and 
you know that you're going to get this, this and that response. And it is going to play into the fact that <clears throat> men and women react a certain way to nudity. But you are fine with that and then you go along your way and that's an achievement and you feel great about it. Like, how is that not empowering? I just think fundamentally, when you look at what's going on, it's inherently a transaction. It's inherently a situation where someone is taking advantage of the fact that, um, like, the thing is, like, it's never, like, it's almost never related to the nudity. Like, if you see what I mean, like, I know what you mean. It's always like, you know, if it's a car advert and there's like a semi nude woman, like, that has nothing to do with the car. It has nothing to do with how the woman feels about the car. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just this, like, arbitrarily tacked on thing because they know that it gets people's attention. It gets eyeballs on this advert on YouTube. Like, that's all it is. Like, it's such a cheap, sordid way to use your body. Like, and I get, like, I understand that from your perspective, you're like, but she made off like a bandit with like a huge check. No, and that's fine. I'd much prefer that that person get well paid than not. That makes the exploitive aspect of it less severe, of course. But it's someone else taking advantage of her body for like a really kind of mercenary like materialistic pursuit of like business of like money like i i just don't understand how that woman in particular could be like i feel empowered because now this advertisement is going to play much better with like the 21 to 35 heterosexual male demographic like it's not her celebrating her body like her celebrating her body would be putting out images or video of her nude or semi-nude or whatever it is in a way that she wants to in a way that expresses how she feels about her body whatever that is like i feel like there has to be an element of control of like <clears throat> choice more than just i consent to my body being like commoditized in advertising like i feel like the woman has to be in control of it you know in a fundamental sense for that nudity that gets put out there to have that kind of meaning? Well, first of all, you don't know how she feels because you couldn't possibly. And second... What the hell does that mean? Because A, you're not female. B, you've never put your body on display like that for people to consume. And the other thing is, I don't think it's exploiting her. I think it's exploiting the viewer. I think you're missing the point. I think in cases like this where it's all above board and a person is paid for their time and they benefit from from being nude, I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think they know exactly what their body's going to do. I think they know exactly who they're going to attract. And that's why it's used and that's why it's used so well. So actually, no, I think that person is involved in exploiting the audience because you're baiting the audience with exactly what you know works. And I think that's almost what people are trying to ignore. It's like, well, it's exploitative because blah, 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 she's naked and what has that got to do with anything? Well, what has that got to do with anything? The fact is, whether it's got to do with the fucking car or not or whatever it is that the person's selling 
or she's naked in the ad, but she's not even in the movie, or she's not naked in the movie. Who cares? You know you've hooked that audience and it works. And I think really what people are mad about is the fact that it works. The fact they're mad that all it takes for some people is to see the half-naked woman or whatever on the billboard or in the ad. And I think that's what really people are mad about. But don't be mad that that's what turns you on or that's what gets you in the seat or that's what makes you part with your money. Like, embrace that shit. Because she's embracing it. She's saying, this is my body and I have a choice and you want to use it for something and I know it's going to work and we're all going to go home happy. Like, what's the problem? Yeah, like, I'm not... I think we're talking past each other in a sense because I don't dispute any of the core facts that you're stating there. Like, I understand that the audience is also being taken advantage of. The audience is also being kind of exploited. I understand that the woman is making, like, you know, she should be making a fully informed choice where she's getting well compensated for this act. I understand all that. And I understand that it's all part of business and blah, blah, blah. But I think we just fundamentally disagree on, you seem to be saying that as long as the woman consents and as long as she gets some kind of significant benefit from it and she understands all the implications and she gets what's going on, she can allow her naked body to be used for kind of a cheap, tacky purpose of just like hooking people into going to watch like a movie in the theatres or thinking about a certain car brand. And I, I but don't... why is it tacky? That's such a judgment. I, I Okay, I will say this definitively. I think selling a product unrelated to the naked female body with a naked female body is gross. It is simply a cheap advertising ploy. Like, it plays Does on the it most... Does work like, on you? In what sense? Like, that It captures my attention, but it doesn't succeed. It's not going to make you part with your money. No, of course not. Like, I, I'm not going to... Like, no one is going to contest the idea that if there's two billboards, one with a car, one with a car and a half-naked woman, you, of course, have your attention drawn to the latter one. Like, that. that's just a fact of, like, how the human attention works, like, how people gravitate to certain images over others. I'm not saying that's not true. I just think that the woman on that billboard... I See, this is the distinction I'd make as well. Even though she's not... It, I don't think it's empowering. I don't necessarily think it's like, you know, the worst thing in the world. It's not like sex slavery. Like, let's make some f- fine distinctions here. Like, I just don't think it would count as like the positive, like, fulfillment of some ideal of quote-unquote empowerment. She's using her body. Like, that's fine. I'm not saying that's... I'm not even saying that's necessarily a bad thing depending on... Like, I can imagine some kind of configuration of of the scenario where it's not even necessarily a bad thing in any way like that's fine i'm just saying it's not empowering empowering would be you choosing how to put out images of your body where you have all the control over it you get to imbue it with whatever meaning you want no one else is going to benefit on from the fact that horny guys like to look at pictures of boobs like you have control over the entire situation, over the entire process, and you use it as a very personal, direct expression of how you feel about your body. 
So you're almost saying, like, it's good if it's art and it's of yourself or it's art and it's of other people, but the artist has gone into it with a story with that person and they chose to express themselves in a certain way. But it's not good if it's, like, advertising. I'm not even just saying... But I feel like you're missing the point. I feel like you're saying that because a person is, like selling something that doesn't really have anything to do with the naked body, that they're not in any kind of control. If they sign on to something and they know that it's like, say, we'll use the car thing again, like it's for a car and that the naked body has nothing to do with it. And they know it's going to target a certain audience. And obviously they know that the car company is going to benefit from it. And they consent to all of this then how is that not empowering? Because that's a form of control. She has control. She can say no. But she didn't say no. She said yes. Again, I just think we're talking past each other. You're talking about whether it's consensual. And you seem to be saying that whenever a woman consents to her naked image being used in any way, that is empowering. Like, I I think that's almost kind of a contradiction in terms. Like, if empowering encompasses every instance of female nudity, then it doesn't have any value as a descriptor. But that's when we talk... Well, but now you're going into instances where someone might not have control. But I'm saying there's no reason to think a person doesn't have control. Well, and to go back to the thing you were saying about art, I'm not circumscribing this kind of value judgment just to art. Like anything it can be a, a political statement it can be completely non-artistic just a photo of yourself like it can be anything at all i just think that the capstone on this whole thing is whether it is a very purposeful concerted expression by the person themselves and they have control over how it is released how it is used like how it is presented i think i see what you're saying but i feel like we need a new word for it i feel like exploiting is not the right word because i feel like what you're saying is and what i'm saying we are meeting somewhere in the middle and then we are talking past each other and i feel like i'm saying it's not exploitative and you're saying it, it is but i feel like we need another word to encompass what we really mean yeah i think i maybe i maybe use an exploitative too loosely I think we both, the midpoint is that we both agree it's okay for a woman to consent to her naked body being used in advertising or any kind of, Mm. like, you know, commercial sense or, or like, any kind of non-artistic sense, like, whatever it is, like, used by someone else for kind of a monetary benefit or business benefit or whatever it is. Like, we both agree that's okay. It's just where you go from there, like... Mm. You, I'm saying it can be empowering, and you're saying it's not. I think it's fundamentally not, no. And that's where we disagree. I just don't think it's necessarily bad on top of that. Like, if you see what I mean, I just... That's that's all I would say about it. Like, I don't know where to go from there. I think it's only bad. These things are only bad if things, like, aren't don't have consent and a person loses control in any kind of way. Yeah, obviously that in my in my opinion that would make it even worse. Um I just think I think partly this instinct is in response to all these like 
say when like Kim Kardashian will post something on Instagram where mm. she's like half nude and she's like hawking a product or like she's on a magazine cover or she's like does some risky photo to like promo her show like something like that like there are a lot of people who would defend that as her like you know celebrating her body and it's like female empowerment and it's like very feminist and it's like blah 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 like and I, I will say this as well like I don't feel that strongly about this I'm just saying how I feel about it it's not something I would feel the need to take to the streets about and protest or like get into an argument with someone about like this is just I'm kind of formulating how I feel about it on the spot but my response to that is always just like you are dupes like you are simple-minded dupes like she who she is or the the people saying that in her defense like vicariously she knows that that gets more clicks on instagram it's not about her celebrating her own body like independently of the purpose of those photos she might love her body she might celebrate it she might worship her body i don't know like she might have like the perfect pristine utter body acceptance and she might express that in different ways but in those instances where she's using her naked body to sell something or to advertise something like that's not an instance of her celebrating her body it's an instance of her advertising something I think everything it's both. else is secondary I if it even exists both. at all on the same level i think it's both why because someone who doesn't like their body isn't going to put naked stuff out that's if they not are true. truly That's not true. No, I think people can be like, oh, I'm insecure about this, and then they post themselves naked, but they would never say, oh my God, wow, I have such an amazing body. So you can say, oh, that means they're insecure. But actually, I think truly they want that's like an instance of like, I want you to give me compliments and I want you to get to give me praise. Because I think if you are truly like insecure and ashamed of something about your body you are not going to put yourself naked on the internet it's bullshit <laughs> kim kardashian knows she has a fucking banging ass fake or not <laughs> she knows that half the sure. world wants to see her why because she knows she's beautiful not everyone will find her beautiful but she knows she is it's bullshit if you are like there are people who can't get naked and look at themselves in the mirror they can't be naked in front of their partner. They can't have sex with the lights on. They won't ever get fully undressed. They're not then going to go and post a photo of themselves on the internet naked. I'm not saying that everyone who posts photos of themselves naked aren't insecure. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't put yourself naked on the internet for money and then like say that you don't think you're beautiful. And I think if you are beautiful and you have that body acceptance and you put yourself out there, then yes, part of it is I love my body. So I love my body enough to be naked in front of all these people. So why not benefit from it? But it's that that latter part that I don't get on board with. Like I'm with you 100% up until and why not benefit from it? That's like I said, that's fine. Like I have no problem with them doing that. Like it it's a free market like if your naked body is worth a lot of money to certain people and you are fine with making that transaction selling an image of your naked body so that it can be used to advertise a product and you get you know a hefty lump sum that's fine like i have no problem with that but in the act of commoditizing your own nudity especially your own female nudity with all the like 
social stigma and like the political aspects of it you in my opinion you completely erase any value it has as an act of like expressing your own body confidence your own self-confidence your own love for your your naked body no i think because of all that social stigma it means more you know people are going to shit on you because it's so tacky. You're, like, on the front cover of blah, blah, blah with your boobs out, like, oh, my God, you have children. You know that a part of the world is going to think that way. You know that you're probably going to lose friends if you do this, this, or that. You know that people are going to think of you differently. And so it almost means more. You're sacrificing things to do this. And, yes, okay, the main reason might be money in some cases. The main reason is always money. Okay, really. the main reason is money. But that doesn't mean along with it, they don't feel empowered. If someone wants to buy your body, like I feel like that there is a level of power that comes with that. Whether they're paying $5 or $500 million for it, there's a level of power. Because that person wants what you've got. Of course, but let me just make this point to you. If someone comes to me and says, I'll give you $5 million for that bottle of water right there, that gives me a lot of power. If someone comes to me and says, I'll give you $5 million for pictures of your naked body, that gives me a lot of power. But it's the same thing. Like to talk about objectification, it is the same thing in that your body has been made an object that has a very specific, strictly defined, very coldly calculated monetary worth it has a certain degree of value in our advertising plans we want to utilize your body we want to stop seeing you as a person and we want to send pictures of your naked body to advertisers but we are operating under the notion that that woman has given consent yeah, to be objectified so how then is it exploitative she knows what she's doing okay i i would maybe retract my use of exploitative then because I think okay. I was using that too loosely just as yeah. a kind of stand-in for like non-empowerment. I think something is exploitative when you've been taken advantage of or you didn't necessarily know your image was going to be used for something or it ends up being used for something in a completely different way. You know, all these things. And I went into this conversation solely touching upon that section of people that have that control of course we know there are people that are exploited and taken advantage of in this world in hot horrendous ways but like i said that's something else we would solely operate under the notion that the women give their consent the women have a lot of control they know even if they don't have control in terms of like they can't change the mind of the person that wants to use it in a certain way. If they still give consent knowing what's going to happen and they're happy with that, that in itself is empowering. Yeah, I just don't Because control agree. is such a powerful thing. But you don't have control. You don't but have, you do control have control over how you it's can used, say, where you it's can employed, say, how it's airbrushed. You can say, you've offered me $10,000 for this. I tell you what, you really want me, give me a million. And then they give you a million, telling me that's not empowering? Not in the sense that I would use the word, no. It's enriching. It makes the number on your bank account screen bigger. But I, I don't think it's a way of like... 
celebrating your body of like pulling back some of the power society has exerted over women showing their bodies over women choosing how their bodies are viewed and how they want to express themselves with their nakedness i think we've established there are different kinds of empowering there's the empowering in that i used my naked body in protest i used my naked body in expression i used my naked body in art then there's i used my naked body to create a living for myself i used my naked body so that i could get by i used my naked body so i could get rich because that's what i want to do and i think those two things are empowering and they're empowering in different ways and some people put more stock in the empowering where it's for protest or for art and some people put more stock in how much money it gets you but i think they are both the same in terms of they are both empowering and that's what we've established here today. That's what you've established. Okay. I'm sitting over here fuming. <laughs> no, I, I just, yeah, I, I can't really get on board with, I feel like if you make that leap of logic, you expand the bounds of the definition of empowering to the extent where it, it really has no worth or meaning as like That's a harsh. useful positive term That's to like aspire to. That means you're saying that getting rich is not something to aspire to. That getting rich I'm just saying of it's using not your body is not a positive thing. Of course it is. It's advantageous in your life, but that like okay, maybe let's move on to a different okay. aspect of this topic. Okay. Like how do you feel about the fact that if we're being honest most of the time you see naked women in advertisements or on magazines on instagram like whatever it is most of the time it's always the same kind of archetype of like slim tanned curvy like making like a wry kind of like you know coquettish face at the camera like it's always this exact or almost always this exact same image of what like a beautiful woman looks like of what a sexy woman looks like and i'm doing scare quotes as i say that like don't you think that contributes to like a negative stereotype about what makes a woman beautiful about what makes a woman's body valuable well you're just talking about the mainstream right because <clears throat> you choose what you consume and i don't consume naked bodies that way i don't look at thin tanned full makeup women i look at fat women and i look at curvy women and i look at women who have bright colored hair and piercings and i look at women who are all different colors and races so i choose to like for instance on instagram follow that type of person if that's what i'm looking for or if i want to look at porn that's the type of naked women i want to see or if an advertisement with a naked person was going to get me, it would be a woman who was fat or who was curvy. So we are, you have to say whether we're talking about the mainstream. Yeah, of course. I'm talking the about... things that you don't choose. If things you just that come across upon you. a regular, like, popular advertisement for whatever it is, a car, a movie. Yeah. Like, yes, I do think that contributes to what people decide is the standard of like beauty of course it does um because if you changed what people saw on magazines in movies and tv and advertisements 
and you said with that change this is beautiful you know the cover girl is such and such and this is beautiful and that's what you constantly saw then you would think that was beautiful and that's how we've got to this point we we only think that's beautiful and that that's the standard because that's all we see and I do think it contributes to that and that's why it's important there is diversity in all areas and there's not but it's important that there is there should be yeah so what responsibility if any do you think that say a kim kardashian or just like someone who looks like kim kardashian like when they get paid that like you know five million dollars to do an advertisement for the new whenever transformers film like they know that they have been chosen over someone who looks different than that like very simplistic archetype of what makes a woman pretty what makes a woman sexy they know they've been chosen because they fulfilled that and by performing in that trailer by like allowing that image to be used on the posters whatever it is they're reinforcing that stereotype they're reinforcing that negative circumscription of what makes female beauty do you think that they have any responsibility to take that into account and maybe say, I don't want to contribute to that? Because even though I'm benefiting in terms of my fame, in terms of my monetary like gain, whatever it is, I'm negatively affecting women in general. I don't think it's their responsibility, but they do contribute. They obviously contribute to what... W- um what like in masses is like what we see and what becomes a mainstream and they are being chosen for who they are and they know that they're being chosen for that reason but i don't think it falls on the responsibility of that person it falls on the responsibility of like um the person making the content so if she was the owner of that like she was making something and she was putting herself in it then she'd have responsibility but i feel like the person making the trailer or the person making the ad or the movie they're responsible they're and they're only responsible in a certain way because that's like saying am i as a writer responsible for like making sure there's diverse characters and people and worlds in every single thing i write no there's not i can if I wanted to only write about fat women, for instance, for the rest of my life, that's my prerogative. Um, it's more about overall. Cultural it's a collective trends, thing, yeah. Than it's not just individual. Yeah, being it's not just one something. person choosing to do that. It's like I wish that these content makers were able to say that were able to see that it's important that there, that there is an overall... Um, Spectrum. Yeah, of people. Um, and that they hope, even in a small way, they are contributing to that. So maybe if they make 10 things a year, in five of those things, they're... This is just an example, yeah, yeah. and I'm just forming it on the spot, so maybe it might not even be really what I think, but maybe in five of those things it's completely diverse and then five of it is like 
much more kind of like isolated and like concentrating on one type of person and then if everyone did that that's how you then you know populate the world in terms of people's thinking exactly but if you are just constantly putting out content um I think you have to see what the audience wants. If you're if you're a creator who who cares about what the audience thinks and wants to see a real kind of reaction to it, then I think you care about what you're putting out there. I think if you're someone who creates content for yourself or you're a writer who really just creates writing for yourself even though you do get published, um then it doesn't matter as much and you don't have that responsibility but i think if you are someone who wants to interact and you want to kind of i think if you want to mirror the world it needs to be diverse unless you're concentrating on one sole place where things aren't diverse i'm just like rambling now but like (laughs) but it seems like you're giving a pass to this like world of male advertisers who know that they can kind of get the cheap click-throughs if they just play into that like we know we have like a male audience we know that a male audience likes the slim blonde with the big boobs posing like seductively so let's just do that because we know it will succeed like it seems like you're saying they know it works and so they do it and that's just how that goes like like isn't it the case that that should be condemned as like such a limited way of portraying women even though you can kind of understand why they do it and it's not like an evil motive it's just kind of like simple like mercenary capitalism well no ideally they wouldn't use the stereotypical woman they would either use a mix of women or they would change it up completely and they would bear that shift of like maybe the audience dropping off while people notice a change but then if everyone's doing it at the same time there's going to be a change in lots of different areas people start to get used to things and people you got to give them time to like that new change or to get used to that new change um it's weird how advertisers in a way kind of condition people and recondition them as needed to like yeah decide what they think is good in advertisements like if all advertisers tomorrow start showing like fast red cars in their like fancy advertisements people will suddenly start to feel like oh when i see an advertisement with a fast red car like it really makes me want to buy that product like yeah it's almost like the causal direction isn't the way you think it is where like the people determine what's in advertisements it's more like advertisers get to kind of condition people in terms of what makes an effective advertising strategy i think some people it's like they'll need things to change gradually in order to like win them over and then some people you can just throw that out there that difference that change out there and it will be embraced i think it just is going to depend on your audience and again some audiences are never going to change and that's when that stereotypical type of person will come into play but again it's like it goes back and forth because it's like if there's a demand for it i'm going to keep doing it but actually why can't i do both why can't i introduce this other ad 
and have two running, then maybe I'll capture more of an audience. Um, and I think that's what people miss the point on. They put so much stock in this one thing, this one component of grabbing people when they could have had like an array of different things. And instead of trying to just grab that fucking 16 to 25 male demographic, they could be grabbing like all Everyone. the demographics. Yeah. Like, so, and I think that's what people miss the point. Mr. Boat. Miss the point. <laughs> It's much worse to miss the boat than miss the point. Yeah. If you miss the boat, you're screwed. Yeah. Can't get across the water. If you miss the point, someone mm. can explain it to you later. Hopefully. But maybe they're on the boat. Oh, no. <laughs> what are we going to do? See, it's all tied together in this universe of metaphor. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a that was an interesting topic. Yeah, it was. That's the first time I think we've, like, had Disagree- a very like, clear line yeah. in the sand about the way we view usually something. we kind of like meet somewhere or we end up i think we more or less did in a way but we were coming at it from very different places yeah we are like i said when i read this article the reason i wanted to talk about it is because it's like i wanted to have a conversation about it so i could make my mind up about it yeah like, i, know what I you didn't mean. read it and be like oh I, su- I feel this like i can't believe she said that like sometimes you see things and you're not sure how yeah. you feel and maybe you're not even sure how you feel even when you've talked about it but it the point is, it, it's good to talk about it. So yeah, do you wanna do you wanna talk to me about what the last? I love how coyly you're trying to transition into the, to- the final. Well, there's no easy way, is there? Really, just give me the topic, man. Oh my god, did you know there's a chocolate bar? But oh my god, I can't get my words out. There's a chocolate bar, and it's called Topic. Have you ever seen it? It's like a little kind of like red packet, and it's just called Topic. I can't even really explain what it is. It's got like nuts in it and like it's You really, really don't not need good. to explain what it is. My whole honestly. point is is that when I was little, my whenever like I was anywhere with my dad, if he'd go into like a shop or something, he and he'd buy me like some sweets or whatever, he'd always buy me a topic. And I don't know why. Like I never said I liked them. I didn't like them, but I would always eat it anyway. And it was always waited for the day when he'd come out the shop with a different chocolate bar and he never did. I think maybe he just really liked them. Yeah, but he never ate it. Not that you saw. No, I maybe mean, I'm sure he got one for himself and ate it on the way yeah. out. Slyly, sneakily. Yeah. It's weird. Clandestinely. What? I thought you were going to be like, and so every time we change topic, I eat one of these bars to, to kind of symbolise it. You've gone mad, I think. You're like, let's move on to the next topic of conversation you're making me want to eat some chocolate now just like this delicious no it wasn't delicious that was my point that's how advertising works though you lie to people (laughs) you don't say eat this candy bar it's meh it will make you feel kind of gross afterwards you probably should have had a a nice square meal you say this candy bar will fix all your life's problems look at these exciting adventurous people eating it on a mountainside as they have what are we going to say? I'm not saying now. <laughs> the people fall off the mountain. No. At no, least no. I had this candy bar. <laughs> that was them landing in the... And they exploded? No, it was them Why landing... Why did they explode? No, Were they filled like... with gasoline? <laughs> it was like them landing on like dirt or something and the dirt kind of getting all... No. You went much more like artsy than me. Yeah, I did. I saw like a Michael Bay like huge explosion. Yeah. Cool, guys. Don't look at explosions. Blow they blow stuff up. Then they walk away. 
cool, guys. Who's got time to look and explain? Who has got time, honestly? Okay, so are you going to give me the topic? Yeah. Okay, so my next topic of conversation is based on... Conversation? What do you mean? What did you think this was? <laughs> this is an interrogation. Oh, my God. No one finds us funny but me and you. I hope Pretty you know much, that. Yeah. Okay, carry on. But there's, like, infinite alternate universes where there's, like, <laughs> an infinite amount of you and me's out there. We just need to somehow distribute the podcast from this particular universe into all of those other ones. We're all just laughing at each other. It's like a it's like a um a snake eating its own tail or something like that. Great. Great. You had to you had to say something fucking smart, didn't you? <laughs> Could have just been like it's a loop. I'm still thinking about one in a chocolate bar, so Sure. You can see the different levels. <laughs> <laughs> I've planted the seed in your mind. <laughs> I'm very susceptible of, to things like that. I am the person who sees, like, someone eating pizza on TV and then I'm like, I need a pizza or, like, whatever it is. <laughs> That's why they do it. It doesn't Product work placement. with products as in, like, the new mop or whatever. The but new like, mop. You know what I mean? But, like, when it comes to food and drink, I'm like, yes, that's what I need. You're watching House of Cards. Yeah. And Frank Underwood is like, hey, guys, in my cabinet, check out this amazing new mop and you're like whoa that's that's a pretty cool mop <laughs> i think i might need to go out and get one of those yeah like, look how many different strands of like mop head material mop it has head material. i was trying to think what mops yeah, are made i don't know of. what it's called Cotton, i guess what like you know like the old mops where it's like those white strands yeah, of like twisted horribleness material they get so disgusting okay let's move on yep okay so what is the next topic What's in mystery box number three? Number three. Okay, so this was basically spurred by me seeing a New York Times news article about the Russian ambassador to Turkey being assassinated by this lone Turkish gunman. And it's actually not about that event in particular. Although, obviously, that's like a horrible thing that happened in itself. But what made me want to talk about it is on that news article, in the comments, I was just kind of scanning through them. And I noticed like so many people were like so aggressively, like vehemently arguing that the New York Times should not have ran the photographs they did with the story. And... If you look up the photographs, they are very, very striking, like very arresting. Like they're it's in this like really well lit art gallery. So you almost can't believe it's real. Yeah, like I think there was like a a AP photographer in the crowd, and that's how these photos emerged. But it's like there's like this well dressed guy in a suit with a handgun. And he was the assassin and he's standing over the, the dead ambassador's body as he like lies lifeless on the floor. Like almost like a scene from a movie. Yeah. And then there's a photo where like the assassin is like yelling something and he's like super animated and his face is like kind of feverish in its like anger. Like they're just these really like you see these and you're like, wow, like they really have a strong effect on you. Mm. Especially because in some of them, like I said, there is a dead body. There's the guy that he killed. There's no gore or anything. There's not even any blood from what I remember. Um, there's just a cadaver, which obviously is disturbing on its own merits. 
let alone any kind of like you know mm. visible aftermath of the shooting <clears throat> but yeah i just saw so many people who just felt so strongly that the new york times should not have run this photo especially because this news story was at the top of the front page on the website so it's like you can't escape them like one of the photos if i remember correctly was on the front page before you even click through i can't remember whether it showed the body or not but in a sense that's kind of immaterial to a lot of their arguments because a lot of people were repeating that kind of tired old like thing of like you shouldn't even cover these type of people you shouldn't cover like serial killers you shouldn't cover like it's assassins or, or mass okay. murderers like if someone goes on a shooting spree <clears throat> like you you know the media shouldn't be glorifying them and giving them a platform for their hateful rhetoric by like showing pictures of them and reporting what they said and like talking about their life like i've just seen that so many places and yeah seeing this news article gave me a reason to talk about it and so yeah i wanted to see what <clears throat> you think about that whole uh, that way whole... of thinking crap about you know when someone kills someone or there's a serial killer or a mass shooting or something we shouldn't give it so much coverage because in some cases that's what they wanted they wanted to become famous for i'm like shut the fuck up because news like people want to know what's going on and that's what news is for if you don't want to know the news don't look at the news like if you know, and there are ways to filter out things, you know. So there are ways not to see that type of thing. If you don't want to. Exactly. So basically, I want as much transparency as possible. I want to, I don't want there to be like conspiracy theories on things because I want to know the information. You want the actual facts to I get I want out the there. facts, yeah. And I don't see a problem with it at all. I don't see a problem with it. Um, I think there are different levels, and I probably don't feel like this all the time. Honestly, I feel I feel like these types of things, you will feel differently. Depend, like being honest, you will feel differently depending on what the case is. Like for instance, some people, if it was kids, they would feel like kids shouldn't be shown or whatever. So I feel like there's a scale. Well, in the aftermath of one of these events, you're so, like, disgusted, you're so mm. shocked and, like, so stunned that it, I understand that kind of instinctive reaction yeah. of, like, just get it away from me. Like, don't even, like, this shouldn't even be reported on. It's, like, almost kind of obscene to, like, report the facts of this situation. But that's when you should choose not to look because the way we we get to see the rest of the world is through news and media and bystanders like this photographer or whoever like capturing things and putting it out into the world so that everyone else can know <clears throat> it's then up to you as an individual whether you want to consume that and so i think you have to take responsibility for a certain amount amount of that um by only looking at certain media sites, by filtering out certain words, by turning the images off. You can turn the images off on a lot of places so you can only see headlines. There are lots of different ways where you can choose to see things or not see things. And <clears throat> there are also only going to be a certain amount of people that don't want to know that stuff. So you can't just like 
what just everyone decides not to show certain things because some people don't want to see it like no that's not how the world should function yeah i completely agree with you like journalism is journalism Mm. like journalists report the news whatever it is no matter how real journalism well yeah of course no matter how prosaic and mundane it is one day and no matter how horrific and like just completely stunningly atrocious it is the next day like what happens is what happens and we have this cultural institution of journalism so like you said a person in England can find out what has happened in America what has happened in Russia what has happened in France and vice versa and like you know on and on like everyone can find out what's going on in the world you're not constrained by what the people around you have heard or what like a few privileged insiders have decided to like let slip like what happened is what happened like that's the really kind of base like when you drill down to like the philosophical bedrock of why it's important that this stuff not be censored that this stuff not be withheld that happened that guy got shot and those photos were taken of it they exist and they show what happened and like you said if you don't want to see them that's completely fine i don't necessarily agree with the with the choice to put those photos on the front page of yeah. a website so that you can't choose whether or not you click through and see them that's a different matter that's entirely thing, yeah things should be put behind things so then you can consciously you make, make the, the choice, choice. Yeah. another thing is is what happened is what happened and i feel like some people who like rally against that showing of it is really them not wanting to accept that it happened obviously that's only some people i'm not saying that's all people who say this shouldn't be reported on then there's also like if it wasn't shown it's why wasn't it shown what are you trying to cover up yeah the so something. that's why it's important to just give you the information you can choose what you want to consume and everybody wins like yeah. not that anyone's winning in a situation like that but you know what i mean it's like everyone can choose to respond to it how yeah. they want to respond to it. But you're not taking away the even the ability to make the choice from a large amount of people because some people object to it on a personal level. Yeah. Like, I think, like I said, like, you need to have that kind of core integrity where it's, like, really sacrosanct that everything that happens is reported on unless there's, like, you know the hypothetical ticking bomb scenario where it's like, if you pull on this, then the terrorist is going to explode this bomb in a mall. Like, like there's really like fantastical, like one in a hundred million situations where you can completely prove that this is going on. And journalists, can you just hold off on it for like an hour so that we can like send a SWAT team in and like fix this problem. That's the only time when I think that things shouldn't be reported I agree. Otherwise, I think there should be radical transparency, like you said, in terms of people get to know what's going on in the world. And you can't stop that from happening just because you feel queasy at some of the horrendous things that get reported on. And if you start to be like, we don't want to see this, what happens is, and then that's allowed, what happens is there's no line. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. It's it's you then picking and choosing what you're reporting on and what should be reported on. No, the blanket, it should just be, no, we tell you everything and you choose what you want to see. 
That's which the only is the way, way it is. But I think people almost forget that they can do that. Yeah. They forget that they can decide to only look at certain things. You don't, you know, lots of people don't know what's going on in like the Middle East or whatever. And lots of people do. And that's because they choose to know it. Shouldn't have it forced down your throat, but it's there if you want to if find want out it, those yeah. things. Yeah, I I really do think if you open that door even just a crack, it really is a slippery slope that's almost kind of inevitable that we're going to slide down. If you have people that take it upon themselves to decide that the public isn't ready to hear this, or they're not mature enough to hear this, or we can't trust them with them knowing this, like. No one should have that power because no one can be trusted to no. make those kind of perfect, infallible, like infinitely justified decisions. There's so much bias and so much like internal prejudices that you don't even, you can't even articulate, you couldn't even kind of pin down. Like it would just be a system where it becomes completely arbitrary and completely kind of like we say we're, we don't want to report on this yeah. murder because we think it might send people into like riots, but really we don't want to report on it because it shows some light on this like shady practice we're trying to keep under the rug. Like that's why it's so important that as a central principle of journalism, you uphold this idea that everything is news. The news is what it is and we give it to you. Yeah. And so much of the media and stuff is already swayed in in one way or the other because of outside influences and so that's why at the center of it we need to be given as much information as possible so that we can try even with all that interference to decide for ourselves what we think is going on yeah exactly like this kind of weird um how to describe it it's like this hipsterish postmodern stance of like well truth is like this kind of slippery philosophical concept there's no such thing as true objectivity and like there's no such thing as like an objective fact like that has been used as a way to be like journalism in terms of like strict fact reporting like this is what happened isn't even like achievable by like by fallible mortals such as ourselves and people use that to justify poor, low-grade, biased journalism, mm. where they're like, well, there's no point even trying for objectivity or, like, pure reporting upon the facts of an event. And I think we have to resist that as heartily and as full-throatedly as possible. Because, like I said, it is really just used as a crutch to kind of prop up shoddy journalism. It's used as a crutch to prop up articles that are awash with bias and misleading colorations of the core facts at hand like <clears throat> we have to say that an event happened and there's a certain amount of facts that are completely uncontestable that is what happened and that is what needs to be in every single news story about that like you can present it in whatever way you want like that is of course your prerogative but those are the facts of the situation and people deserve to know what happened and that's why it's important to know where your news is coming from and to also be able to read between the lines. You know, if you look at this article on this assassination at such and such site, you're basically just going to get the facts and you're barely going to get any kind of opinion or agenda. But you know, if you look at it at this other site, you're basically going to only know that someone was shot, but 
everything else is tarred with like opinion and judgment and all this other stuff that you don't need and so that's why it's important to not just get your information from one place. Like when we were talking about Wikipedia earlier, you need to find out the base information and then go to other places to find out. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But I think it is important that you try and have some kind of control over it. If you don't want to see it, don't go to that place. If you do want to know these things, be informed. Yeah, it's all about making informed decisions about how to interpret the information given mm. to you like you said if you hear a news story from fox news you know they're gonna slant it towards a kind of conservative outlook like they're gonna spin things to make whatever kind of republican cause they're championing at the moment they're gonna try and push that if you see it on somewhere like you know msnbc it's the opposite way around if you see it on somewhere like um info wars it's all lizard men and like illuminati like you know what i mean like everywhere has yeah. its own kind of like more or less discernible slant like their own biases their own way of looking at places and ideally it wouldn't be like that but it is and that's why it's important for you to do some work as well but it's also like if you really just want the sterile facts of the situation you can just pay attention to like the associated press dispatches mm -hmm. like if you just want to subscribe to a couple of like really bland like really basic news wires you can it's just that people generally don't want that because it mm. is so like hard to digest just this endless stream of like facts about what has happened that day and like you know people do want a certain amount of color to their journalism and then there are people that want it to be sensationalized yeah. they want to be given a reason to read that yeah. otherwise tedious article on the economy they need it to be titled something like you won't believe this crazy thing that happened to gdp this day like you know it's a strange thing how you have to kind of yeah. in some cases you have to like prod and goad and like compel people and entice people to do something that they should want to do anyway which is find out what's going on in the world like read the news read um it's so easy to not see things. Yeah. I think if you, you know you're in denial if you think that you can't get away from something. Obviously, there are certain circumstances, but there are lots of things that I don't fully know about because I don't choose to read certain sites or I don't actually watch television news or I don't buy the newspaper and I don't read it front to back. Like there are lots of things I don't know about. And a lot of those things I choose not to know about. Um, and the things I do, most of the things I know about is because I know that I, when I go to a certain place, I'm going to get this information, whether I like it or not. Yeah. I think to a certain extent, this modern phenomenon of like hysteria about fake news mm. has produced some very unfortunate side effects where people have now started to distrust all journalism all news media like people have come to the conclusion of well if buzzfeed reports misleadingly yeah. on this thing then i can't trust what the new york times says about it either it's like no like there are obviously a lot there's like a whole myriad of problems with like legacy journalism outlets like that's true like print media especially has its fair share of like constraints and and restrictions and problems like blah 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 but at the end of the day 
you can trust a New York Times news article more than you can trust that random guy on Twitter who has four yeah. followers and only ever tweets about like, you know, Hillary Clinton being an alien who sucks the blood out of young children. Like there are still degrees of trustability. We're not yet at this place where it's like, trust no one. Like no one is reported accurately in any sense whatsoever. Like some people have become doomsayers in that sense where it's like journalism is dead like you no one can ever find out what's going on in the world because it's all just bias it's all just like spin it's all just servicing whatever political cause you know that institution is aligned with it's like no you can still do it you just have to be a careful consumer of news it's all a case of buyer beware just like in the world of consumer goods it's on you to do the research and buy the right thing to buy a high quality product. It's the same type of free market in journalism where it's on you to research what are the most trusted sites. Are they trusted for good reason? What are the problems I have to keep in mind when I read them? It's not that difficult to have that kind of tally in your mind where it's like, I know that when I go on this site, I have to keep in mind that they do this. Or when I go on that site, I have to keep in mind that they do that. Like, if you want to do it and you want to stay informed, it's a really small price to pay. I think there's always been like an element of like, um, people are calling it fake news, but I think there's always been that kind of element in certain journalism. But I just think people, there's more of it now because we want more content. And, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about constantly needing new stuff to look at. And so people more and more are using like clickbaity titles and then most of the article really isn't even about what it was supposed to be about. And, and that's why it's important for you to say, like you just said, say, well, I know that that's what this website does. I know that the, that's what this news site does. I know that if I do just go to certain sites, I'm going to get the base facts. Like, it's up to you to say, no, I'm not going to click on that clickbaity shit because I know what they're doing. I know that it's a lie. Um, and I think, like I said, there's always been an element of that there. There's just more of it now because there's more people, there's more websites, there's more content needed to satisfy. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, there's a certain kind of defeatist, like, laissez-faire attitude amongst certain groups on the internet where it's very much just like, yeah, clickbait exists. And, of course, I click it because, you know, I can't not click on that interesting article about, like, eight ways that bleach can be used as like car oil like whatever it is like it's like no you don't understand that all the power still resides in the people who consume that content if no one clicked on the clickbait it would be gone tomorrow if yeah. everyone migrated to intelligent well-written content in terms of journalism instead of like 200 word like mm. sensationalist reporting on like buzzfeed or like whatever it is then that is what would become regnant. That is what would become dominant. That would become the most profitable way to conduct journalism on the internet. But that's not what's going on right now. And in a lot of ways, people only have themselves to blame if they do do that and then justify it by being like, well, that's just the way it is. Well, it's the way it is because you allow it to be. It's like some people don't realise that them clicking on it means that the person making it is 
is benefiting from it. No, that site in particular survives solely on your clicks. Why do you think there's a million advertisements? Like, if you didn't click it and everyone you know didn't click it and the cycle continued, then you it would be gone because they wouldn't survive. And people just think like, well, it doesn't matter whether I click it or not because a million other yeah. people are going to do it. But if everyone stopped giving themselves that cheap paper thin get out of jail card and they started to think that I'm not going to click on it and I'm going to trust that the next person won't click on it either because they're going to take that kind of principled stand then you would start to see those big tidal changes in the way that content is produced and presented on the internet and that is what people or it seems like most people at least claim they want to happen it's just you've got to actually make it happen it's such a small cost to ask of people don't click on clickbait don't give these crappy like tabloid rags on the internet like any of your clicks any of your attention any of your retweets whatever it is like any way that they get support from individual readers don't contribute to that and i know that it is can be easier said than done because as a curious person i click on things like it's almost like sometimes you you kid yourself into think thinking that you're going to be unexpected by something like something's going to be <laughs> oh my god those words did not come out right <laughs> you're telling yourself that something unexpected is going to happen and you know you know it's not but you have to click it for fear of missing out and so you need to just i know i have slowly stopped doing it there are certain clickbaity things i will still click on i won't lie but i know i do it a lot less than i did just like a year ago because i know that nine times out of ten it's not, 99 times out of 100 more yeah like. it's not gonna be what you think you know that the words they use are you know even just in basic like you know trashy news form when it's like such and such looks unrecognizable and so you're like shit do they really and you click on it and it's like no you know they're not going to look unrecognizable they're going to look almost exactly the same but they're just wearing a wig like you just got to tell yourself that's what it is that's what it is on different levels and then you'll slowly start to not click on it yeah and that's what everyone needs to try to do. And then eventually this fake news bullshit will slow down. People will have to find a new way to get you to click on their stuff. Yeah. We need to make them become more intelligent by us being more intelligent. Yeah. And people oftentimes feel like it's too big of a change to achieve. But like we said, the internet is composed of individual people. Like if everyone makes that choice then that choice is made across the board. And then you have these really like seismic upheavals in the way that the internet is structured and in the way that the incentive structures are presented to content creators. I feel like all this honestly boils down, and I might be diving too deep here, to self-worth. And hear me out. If people... And that's the end of the podcast, folks. (laughs) If people thought more of themselves and they realised how significant they can be, then people would stop thinking, but I'm just one person, but what does my opinion mean? It does mean something. Your opinion, your friends' opinions, your family's opinions, all these opinions count towards a big collective opinion. It's okay that you all think different things. It's good that you think different things. And I think if people just put more 
stuck into themselves and saw themselves as like more important than they are going about their days like then I think that they would things would start to slowly change but there is always that old thing like my vote doesn't count my opinion doesn't count and it's really hard to drum that into someone for them to not only think of it this once like when it comes to voting but to constantly think it constantly think that my view in this thing my open in this thing my making this change means something your actions matter because they contribute to like the cumulative action of like society of like mankind like a lot of the world is the way it is because we made it the way it is it wasn't some higher power changing things we did it yeah and we can change it back if we choose to yeah that was pretty uplifting um to take it back to the dark origins of this no don't do it i also saw a lot of comments where it's like you know because the article I was talking about reported what the guy said. And so people were like, you shouldn't be giving this guy a platform. Like you shouldn't be allowing him to glorify his message with like coverage by like real news outlets. Like we should just completely ignore whatever this guy has to say because it's going to inspire a copycat or it's going to inspire someone else who wants to embrace their murderous urges or it's going to start a court of like personality around this guy like he's going to become like a charles manson figure like there's so many examples of those like completely horrendous people who were murderers or who were rapists or who were whatever it was they somehow become famous their notoriety in a way evolves into kind of celebration by this very very small subsect of of people who are inclined towards worshiping that kind of figure and that obviously can be dangerous. And that's why I saw a lot of people saying like, so don't even report the guy's name. Don't show his image. Like, just say that a man killed the Russian ambassador to Turkey. And that's it. Like, don't report what he said. Don't talk about his life story. Don't talk about his motivations. Like, because we have to stop people from finding that out in case it leads them to revere this guy and to look into him more and start to feel the same way as him. And that, of course, is just a completely fallacious argument. Like, it has no foundations in, like, practical truth. Because, first of all, just as, like, a pragmatic aspect, you can't stop people finding out the information. Like, just because the New York Times and the Guardian and the Washington Post and whatever it is, just because they choose not to report on this guy's name or show his image or talk about what he said as his motivations, that stuff is going to come out because someone is going to report on it, some low-level news site. Or even in like a more kind of brute force fashion, people are going to find the court documents about when it goes to trial and people are going to find out what that guy's name was. They're going to find out about what he said about why he did what he did. Like, you can't roll the stone over every aspect of what happened. Like, at some point, it has to be put in the public view And maybe it's not put into the public view in such a conspicuous way. But you've got to think, if someone is so inclined as to want to delve deeper into the life of this political assassin, think about how motivated they would be to find that information out. They're not going (coughs) to 
see that the New York Times has decided not to report on it and be like, well, I guess that's the end of that ambition. Yeah. They're going to dig. They're going to find a way to get that information and as much information as they possibly can. And they're going to use it however they're going to use it. Like, you can't thwart those people because that information will come to light one way or another. That's just how the world works. It's too interconnected. There's too many eyes and too many documents for those things not to emerge out there in the public domain in some form or another. And so I just think it's a well-meaning but ultimately harmful stance to think that that's a good enough reason for us to withhold this information from everyone. You're just emboldening and justifying the will of would-be censors. People should not have a basis of public opinion with which to go forward and say i'm going to withhold this information from the public themselves because once you give a censor that kind of mandate that kind of like sense of i've got the people behind me like we said it really is a slippery slope that you slip down every single time like and at the bottom of the slope is you know the abyss of like no one finds out anything. All information is kept behind closed doors. There's a curtain pulled in front of all journalism where it's like you only get to see through the tiny cracks of like this facade of like everything's okay, don't worry about it. Like nothing bad happened today. But if you really dug deeper, you'd find out that there was a lot of horrible stuff that happened that day. It's just being kept from you because of all these like so-called good reasons for why the public can't be trusted to hear that information. I agree. And <clears throat> I feel like often people concentrate on the few. Like, those few people that wanted to get famous by being serial killers or assassinating someone or whatever. Or those few people that killed because of this or did that because of this. We have to stop that. So that means you can't tell us anything. That's so silly. Like, the amount of people that get killed... Like, or that, that kill, or that rape, or that assault people, is really just a very small handful that, that may or may not want to have some kind of fame or send a certain kind of message. And so we can't just, like, cut off all information just because of these few people. We can't just cut off all this information because there might be a copycat. You, you can't stop the world because of a fear. Yeah. That's just not how things are going to happen. And it's not how things have happened. It's not how things should happen. And also, it, there wouldn't be a history. There wouldn't be a full history if you just started poking holes in things and covering things up. Like, there obviously already are things that are covered up or that are censored. But imagine if everything was like that. Imagine if everything had, like, a certain part of it that was redacted. Like, no, that's that's yeah. not the way to go. We have to be, like, the owners of our world. Yeah, almost. of our history, yeah. of what's going on day to day. Like, yeah, you have to have such a low estimation of a pretty significant portion of humanity for this to even be relevant, that they're so on the precipice of like insanity or like murderous raids that like reading a kind of profile and this like charismatic mass murderer and his motives and his upbringing and what tipped him over the edge is somehow going to have the chain reaction of like sending thousands of people into like you know these killing sprees mm. and like whatever it is like it just doesn't make any sense like 
you'd have to think that so many people are just monsters waiting for、mm. the tiniest straw that broke the camel's back to like turn them into those like hideous versions of themselves. And that I think is just not borne out by what we see in society. No, it's not. That one thing isn't going to make someone commit a murder. I mean, it might be a tiny thing that contributes to some form of. Um, expression or some way of life, but it's not ever going to be the one thing that makes someone do something. If they've got that in them, they've got that in them, and they are a different, they belong to a different part of our species, you know? h o m o m u r d e r o u s Yeah. Like a subsection of the human animal. Just throw them all together. And do what with them? I don't know. Put them on an island? Set them on fire? No, that's not. If you think、really、about、dark. it, that would kind of. Like, if someone really just wanted to murder, and like that was the only way they could find joy in their life, if you just got everyone <laughs> like that and put them on an island away from. They would all just murder each other? Yeah. But that's really what we're saying then is that. I have a quite strong inkling that ethically that's not good. No. But. I'm so tired after this three hour podcast that I can't, <laughs> I can't pull that thread hard enough to figure out why it's not a good idea. <laughs> to me, I'm just like, yeah, we'll just have、yeah. Battle Royale. Like, what could go on wrong? On a couple of Pacific islands, just like empty all the, the murderers from prison onto these like tropical paradises and give them a few machetes and、oh、just. Oh my God, and maybe just let's televise it. <laughs> yeah, that's a money making idea right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We want to get rich on、uh, televising murder. murder. I can't stress that enough, people. I know I'd watch. No, I wouldn't. Oh my God, that <laughs> came across as so serious. <laughs> I、so、wouldn't、sincere. watch. I wouldn't, I promise. But you'd look、Maybe、at the gifts on Twitter. Though, honestly. God. And yeah, that's just who we are, I guess. Yeah. We want that's the takeaway. We want to、podcast. see, you know. Write in and tell us who would also watch. <laughs> We're pulling together a small group of angel <laughs> investors to start this、yeah. murder island idea. That could be the name of it Murder Island. I feel, yeah, that's too obvious. We need like more. To be honest, you don't have to be super、yeah. highbrow and like sophisticated <laughs> and nuanced if you're just like broadcasting like people、murder. pulling each other apart. Ew, no, I don't. This is too dark now. It, when was it not dark? I don't know. I have visions. Sure. Not like futuristic <laughs> visions, just like. Futuristic <laughs> visions. You're not like a. I'm delirious, a mystic, I think. A prophet, a seer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm delirious. Yeah, I think we've been delirious for three hours. Yeah, I think it's time to, to wrap I it up. I look at the computer and we've been recording for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're stuck in like an endless loop. <laughs> One of us is in a coma, the other one's insanely、okay. high on like, you know. Hallucinogens. Terps. Terps. You know, like, turpentine. Yeah. I know what it is. It just seems like a random、oh. <laughs> thing to have said. I thought that she could make you high.、Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I think、really、this to is time to, to wrap it up. Okay. Because、yeah. we're seriously going. We should going transition.、Crazy. You know, you... this is our smooth transition. Yeah. To the to the. Yeah, I feel like it always is going to sound how it's going to sound, but whatever. We hope you enjoy listening to us. Episode eight, please share it with anyone. You know what? Is this the plugs? Yeah, I can't believe you're gonna do this. What we just had a nice, happy, wholesome three hours of conversation, 
and now you're going to inflict this upon our <laughs> listeners' ears. You're going to take advantage of their attention by reading these yeah, plugs. Because if they're listening, they love us. And then they want to do these. You know nice what? I'm things. the I'm the listener advocate. I'm the no. consumer advocate. I won't let the I won't let her do this to you, listener. We hope that you want to do these nice things for us because we love you. We love you so much. You're like taping over my mouth. Yeah, I was going to try and make the tapes. <laughs> I realised it wasn't. <laughs> what noise does tape I make? I don't know, honestly. So yeah, so we as we say, new episodes are released. Like we say, I know we've changed this a few times, but we say like about two weeks after the last one has been posted. Yeah, we're, we're now shooting for two weeks after two the weeks last after. episode. We don't always hit that yeah. for obvious reasons of like, we have stuff it's, going it's on. Quality it's of not quantity. easy to find the time to sit down yeah. and then edit it. So you can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much on all of the podcast services. Or you can go to the website, artatpodcast.com. That's A-R-T-A-T podcast.com, which redirects to the SoundCloud page. Um, and as always, you can send any feedback or comments, which are very welcome, to artappodcast at gmail.com. Or ideas for our new Murder Island yeah. ABC <laughs> primetime show. Send in your thoughts on a postcard. Um, I mean, not... A postcard. A postcard. Send us a, a self-addressed <laughs> envelope. Isn't that what it used to be on, yeah, like, yeah. old Blue shows? Peter. I don't know why that's came to mind. Um, and if you have the time, we would really appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, which really helps new podcasts. And such as really, we. Yes, such as we. And we'd really, really appreciate it and like it lots and lots and lots. And it would make me smile. And I'll send you a picture of her smile. Whatever time of day. This is creepy. If I see that there's a new like review, a Polaroid. I'm going to wake you up in the middle of the night, a Polaroid, <laughs> like you're a kidnapped victim, <laughs> and I'm holding you hostage, and I'm like, hey, if you want this smile back, what if that- send a review. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to send the horrible. smile back to you piece by piece. I just, I'm like... <laughs> you're giggling so much right now. <laughs> You've got the cutest little giggle. Uh-huh. Don't you think so? Well... I think I'm in a trance, honestly. Yeah. From all the giggles. You've checked out of this. The giggle fit. Physical. Who am I talking to, honestly? Am I not real? You might not be. You look over and I'm not in the chair. You're really rudy. And this whole time I've been (laughs) talking to your cat. You look over and I'm not in the chair, and then you look over at the photos, and I'm, I've suddenly dissolved from all the. This is horrible. Couples' photos. This is horrible. Okay. It's time we go to sleep, I think. We're not going to sleep after this. I'll call you out on it. No! Don't you dare lie to our listeners. Okay, it's time to eat all the food in all the world, because I'm so hungry. In all the world. And then it's time to sleep. Well, yeah, we will sleep eventually. (laughs) I hope so. Although I am a kidnap victim, so who knows? You can sleep when you're dead. (laughs) I don't don't like this. (laughs) Yeah, it got too real for you. Murder! You're one of those people, aren't you, that got pushed over the edge by seeing a news article. I'm actually the guy who got off the island alive. Oh, my God. I killed the rest of them. Are you the winner? I'm the winner. What did you win? Getting off the island? I was reintegrated into British society. But I feel like after tasting all that blood. Don't mean tasting it. Like, you know, metaphorically. And also literally. Probably. I'm I'm sure some of it will have gone in your mouth. Also, I forgot to tell you that we won't be supplying you with food. What, who's we? People. The Institute for Looking After and all Ryan. The people who have put all these other people on the island. 
Well, then we're going to die pretty quickly, honestly. Because you're going to kill each other. We'll have to eat each other. Like, yes. You are the ones encouraging cannibalism pretty at that much. point. And it will be televised. And we will watch. I'll and we will charge a hefty pay-per-view fee. No. Well, yeah. But you don't get the money if you win. I get the money. That doesn't seem fair. Well, life's not fair, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the birds are singing. It's officially time to say goodbye. Yeah. It was a good one. It was a good one. We got another one in the can. Yeah. Feels good, baby. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. The music used during the intro and outro was kindly provided by Christopher from soundslikeanearful.com. See you next episode.